0: And welcome to another New Dogma Zine audio situation.
1: We got a full house tonight, bro. We
0: do. It is the episode five of New Dogma Live.
1: Yeah, this is great.
0: It's and that rhymes, so we're already done.
1: Well, and like (laughs) usually we it's just us two.
0: That is true. It's been we got a full house tonight. It's been me and Grant. For the past, like, I don't know, what, six, six five weeks, six episodes, Five, six weeks, like yeah, that. something like that. Uh, just with our guests, we are here tonight with a full room. We've got Mitch back from his travels. Doo, 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 doo. Yo, what up? We've got Steve. He's not actually on a microphone tonight.
2: But
1: he does have headphones on. Yeah. Looking cool in the corner.
0: He can hear us. Uh Grant is here. How y'all doing? Andrew. Liam's here as well. Hey. Kyle Carr. Back Hello. On the microphone.
1: The family man, as we refer to him.
0: Uh, our illustrious guest tonight world famous world famous yes john yes. pascarella former player now coach
1: affectionately known as
3: jp
0: jp, JP
1: thanks work? for coming man
3: guys thanks for having me that's one of the uh, nicer intros i've ever had so thank <laughs> you <laughs> <laughs> not usually that good yeah. Not usually that pleasant,
1: um, but I appreciate it. Oh, we're here to we're, we are here to serve. <laughs>
3: Thank
0: John's you. John's lovely partner Lisa is here tonight as well. She Ooh. is.
1: Lisa, how is this cordon the chicken cordon bleu sandwich? Yeah. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. Another banger from our good folks here at the Midtown Pub. Yeah,
0: we are at the Midtown Pub tonight in Middleton, Wisconsin. Uh, a couple of uh, news items, just uh, some logistical things at the start. We're working on print issue number two. It's coming, baby. Grant and I uh, kind of laid the the issue out this past weekend. One of the features that we want to have this time around is a mailbag. So if you would like to write us with questions, comments, insults, gardening tips, recipes, whatever (laughs) it might be, hit us up on socials or email newdogmazine at gmail.com. Any other notes on that Brian? i don't think
1: so I, yeah. th- I mean i think that all we can say is that look for it to come out in march
0: yeah like march april is march kind of the time frame is what we're looking, we're looking for.
1: for um we're in the process of starting to put together articles for th- that we want to do
0: and art pieces and
1: art pieces we met with uh a uh, good friend cole who's
0: an illustrator who's an
1: illustrator about doing some stuff for us which is going to be fun um yeah i think this is going to be a good issue um I'm excited for it to to, to get working on it. Yeah, we
0: would really like to do this quarterly, so the more content we have and the more we hear from anybody, uh, it'll it'll help us with that. And it'll be
1: easier once we get into the soccer season to get going with more content and things like that, Absolutely. Absolutely. So here we go. So can
3: can I ask... can I ask a question at this point? Absolutely. Or is it too early
1: in the show? No, you can do...
3: So you said you did it quarterly. This is the second one you've done? Yeah, yeah
1: we did one uh, like late summer, early fall last year. Okay, so Which, which, which
3: we gave to you Yes, today. okay, yeah. great. And I remember when it first came out. That's right. why I was asking. So you're going to do it quarterly? Yep. Yeah,
0: this year... We didn't do it quarterly last year, but we want to start it in, in March this year and do it every three months. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. If you're
3: struggling for content... Um, you should definitely let us know let yeah. somebody on the coaching staff know we'll, we'll get you access to players we'll get you access to we're going get internally.
0: a Keith, Keith T. Meyer, Mr. October centerfold <laughs> that'd be great <laughs> great that's what well, I'm
1: looking think. for speaking of modeling and centerfolds yeah this segues beautifully it does into our next segment yeah so <laughs> our good friend John Pascaro he did a recent cameo Cameo in an announcement that Matt Glazer made um, for about for the Polar Plunge. Was now, uh, now, now we were now some backstory here. We were in Albuquerque when this came out, and we may have been a few drinks in at this point.
4: You were.
1: Okay.
3: <laughs> You're not the only ones.
1: Um, <laughs> and we at first thought it, that it was Jovan.
5: Yeah.
1: In the background. And then we were watching it again at the bar later in the night, and which I don't know how I went. I pointed out, "I'm like, that's not Jovan, it's J.P."
5: Yeah, John <laughs> How could
3: I possibly? How could I possibly be mistaken for Jovan? That's what I want to know. And what I, what part of it made you think? Because <laughs> alcohol. Was it was it the carpet on my back? Was it
1: because Jovan is usually the person they get to do? The half naked stuff for the show, for for the club.
6: I, I would say he's the one that insists that, there is <laughs> he a wants that he content. He wants to do the, the half naked stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's that that was probably part of it. The main route, the main part of it. Okay. Was that that we just assumed it was Jovan, but then it's like I noticed. I think it was doing like the the hand over the nipples
3: move.
0: <laughs> you gotta keep them warm, you know what I'm saying? Which is, which
1: is when I was like, wait a minute, that's JP.
3: You <laughs> do have to keep him warm, but I still can't get past the Jovan thing. Like it, it <laughs> makes it makes me realize that. He's gonna leave the show now because because. Preseason of it. Yeah. can't come soon enough. I obviously have got to get a little bit fitter. There you go. So.
0: <laughs> well, not everybody has the body of an Adonis like like Jovan. Yeah. Like Jovan, Chavez. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, okay. So, are you doing the Polar Plunge, JP?
3: Truth be told, the reason why I volunteered for that part of the, the marketing campaign. Smart man, right here. Is because I'm not available that weekend. Got you. I had made a commitment over Christmas holiday after talking to, to Matt and the rest of the staff about it in terms of the timing for preseason and when we thought we would actually start. I made a commitment to my family to take everyone to see the Bruce Springsteen concert in Kansas City. On the same day as the polar plunge, I can't,
1: I can't, I can't have any bad thoughts about this. <laughs>
3: yeah. no. So after. Um We'll have that first week of training in Minnesota at Minnesota United. My daughter, my second oldest daughter, Cassie, lives there, works there in Minneapolis. I think
1: we met her last. We met her last year. She's the
3: the what? volleyball player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you've met all my kids at this yeah, point. Yeah, we met them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they've all been yeah. in and out of town before.
1: Because your son actually was actually training, I think.
3: Correct, correct. You trained with us last summer. That's right. Yep. Him and my that's youngest daughter were both right. in town last summer. They're both playing collegiate soccer right now, but that's we can right. we can talk about that as as we go on. <laughs> Um, But I promised the entire family that I would take them. The kids grew up on Springsteen Music. Fortunately or unfortunately for them, it was something that was on in the car a lot when they were really young. And so they know a lot of the tunes, they've seen enough videos to to last them a lifetime. And it was something that once we realized it conflicted with not only preseason but with the Polar Plunge, it was something that I had some difficulty with bowing out of because of the commitment I made to my family. Matt was comfortable with it, which was great. Um, he's been fantastic about it because he could have, he could have laid down the wood and said, "Hey, listen, you're not going. You're doing the polar plunge." And he's been he's been very um, very good about it and allowing me to spend some time with my family there, and it's, it's been really cool. So I like how it's
4: you have to be there for the the polar plunge, not nah, you have to be there for training. I like that part
3: of it. No, it's, I mean, listen, we're going to, training will actually be off that weekend. So we'd already planned into our preseason. We've already periodized almost four weeks of our preseason. So we know when we're training, when we're not, how many sessions we're doing. Not necessarily the content of all the sessions yet, but we know when we're training, when we're not, when we're doing our strength training, our conditioning, all those things.
5: Yeah.
3: So we knew that the day would be off. We didn't know what it was going to be devoted to so at that point in time i made the commitment to do with my family to go to the springsteen concert then nice. we realized it conflicted with the polar plunge i begged forgiveness and asked to be excused and i was lucky enough to be granted that uh that day to get away and go to kansas city with my family
1: well i mean the nice thing about it is you've got people that are going to take your place because yeah. andrew and i are going to do this with oh, yeah. the pub.
3: you are or are not we are oh that's are. fantastic so
1: right because when matt Said he was gonna do it. Um, I'll let Andrew get into it. But Andrew's father has a deep connection with Special Olympics, um, and I have a deep connection with taking cold showers. So um, and ice baths. So I was like, yeah, I want in, I want in on this. This is this is my jam. Yeah, and so. But I'll let Andrew, what's your connection to Special Olympics and you can explain why.
0: So my, my dad passed away uh, last, last fall and nobody in my family except for my mom kind of slightly knew. But he apparently had been like a very big donor to Special Olympics most of his adult life. Didn't tell anyone. Didn't tell me, none of my brothers didn't know about it or anything. To the point where he actually got an award from them after he passed and like delivered to my mom so. Just when, show
1: up with like a, this huge framed picture in an award, and you're yeah. like, hey.
0: <laughs> so when my when when Matt kind of said like I'm gonna do this thing, I was like, all right, twist twist my arm. I guess we'll do it too. Um, so yeah. Uh,
3: that's uh, pheno- that's phenomenal. Not yeah. only that th- you guys are willing to do it, but the fact that your father had done that and told no one about oh, yeah. it. Yeah. And, and then really cool that they is it called posthumously mm-hmm. yeah. awarded him that yeah. and your mom was able to receive yeah. that yep. and, yeah, and take cool. it on his behalf so Super very cool great. really so
1: yeah it made sense for us we were just like yeah we're doing this yeah. so um there are rumors that zach swadzik is going to join us
0: i mean he better get his fundraising page up
1: he says that he's got a special surprise for him. really yeah Banan- I'm
4: afraid of what this could be. <laughs> I think I know what it is.
1: I'm thinking banana hammock. Exactly.
3: <laughs> I'm nice. hoping it's a life fest. Nice. So is he half Italian or something? Is that what? He's, the, half, uh, Greek? he's half Greek. Oh same thing. Yeah. Basically. Oh, he's good. He's Greek. <laughs> Basically.
0: Exact All same right. thing. <laughs> well.
1: Short, short brown Germans is what they are. Yeah. I'm yeah. not starting
4: any culture war over here. Nope. That's <laughs>
1: exactly what I'll say. These are short, ger- short brown German people. This is what yeah. they are.
0: Yeah. Before we get too far into, uh, we're, we're going to get into John's playing career, managerial career, what brought him to Madison. Mitch. How how was your walkabout? Your your uh, yeah, you were late, gone
1: for a long time.
0: Late stage, like six Springer. weeks. Yeah, six weeks. I think
6: I was gone. Rumspinger.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was nice. I got back on okay. Sunday, Sunday afternoon, and it felt like I'd been gone for maybe two. Like <laughs> like I I was just like yeah everything seems the same like I. I, I almost didn't like it almost in some respects didn't feel like I even left for that long it was just kind of weird um, but it was really nice uh, the weather you know the weather was good all things considered could have been warmer for sure uh, it was 50s most of the time
0: uh, you went to like a bunch of national
2: national parks like, historic sites, sites and yep. things like that
0: like yeah. what was your favorite part of your your time off as Um it so I'll kind
2: of like split it up a little bit because there's a couple that I want to point out. Sure. Um, I did the Everglades, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, and the Everglades are incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, uh, and Inga Alley, got to see- It's amazing how Everglades. big they are. And oh, like, absolutely.
1: It's just it's so expansive, like just you don't think walking. it takes up that much space.
2: Oh, it's it's legitimately like- I think it's I think it's uh, the fourth largest national park in yes. the lower 48. Yeah, park, which is huge. Yeah, third or fourth. It's huge. Yeah, um, yeah. Got to see tons and tons of wildlife there, um, and it like I think it's not really given enough credit for how uh, diverse the ecosystems are. Uh, lots of, you know, I, I think people just kind of think of it as swampland with you know, right. Uh, like right. But it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more. If if anyone ever gets the opportunity to go down to southern Florida and check, check out, out the Everglades, like and and check out all the different visitor centers, if you can, because each of the visitor centers are in very kind of different locales in terms of how the ecosystem around it is. Um, so I highly I highly recommend that. It, and also just go to Flamingo Visitor Center, take a picture in front of the sign, go buy a flamingo plushie. They sell those down in the Everglades now. Huh. Do it. Even though there's
0: no flamingos in the Everglades.
2: There's it's, so it's, the flamingos. That it's the thought that
1: counts. I've
0: been told by my wife that I have so enough flamingo things. I
6: think
2: my parents have told me that too, but <laughs> to it's assessment. not it's not for them to decide. If they yes, want to limit
6: if they wanna limit the gifts that they can give, that by all means go ahead and limit yourself. We're right. giving you a resource right. and an absolute small fountain of resources for to sure. pinch
2: Um I do wanna point out two other ones. Cumberland Island National Seashore Where is that? It is uh, southeastern Georgia. It's probably about an hour, hour and a half south of Savannah. Okay. Um You need to take a ferry to the island, which is a 45 minute ferry each way. Uh, There is one place that you can stay on the island unless you camp. Uh, that one place, the cheapest, uh, the cheapest that you can stay there is $725 a night. You've
0: got a thing or a for- minimum a minimum
2: of three nights.
0: You've got a thing for islands. I'm just glad that when you went this time, it didn't, like, have some weather event. It was,
2: yeah, was like that. That the ferry was, actually worked. It was cold, yes. Yes. It, the ferry did actually go out this time. Uh, it was very cold, though, uh it was in the 40s for most of the day while we were there um and we were there for around let's see we got there at 9:45, and we left at four so around seven hours i want to say um or 8:45 we got there left at four um and but it's a beautiful island and it for it being as small as it was and we we only were walking around um and we saw Marshland. We saw beach. We saw like very different wooded areas. Cool. Um, there's the uh, there's the ruins of a uh, of a mansion that Thomas Carnegie and his wife lived in. Wow. Um, there are wild feral horses everywhere. Uh, huh. We legit had them just like walk past us. We had one that walked up to my friend my my friend Brian. He's just like sitting on a, he's sitting on a at a picnic table, we're both sitting there, and I just like point to this horse that's behind him. He looks behind him. the horse is maybe five feet away from him. And he's just like, hey horse. Horse just like walks away. <laughs> that's what happens. That's what
5: happens. Yeah.
2: The horses are chill. The horses are very chill. There's horse poop everywhere, but oh, other, dare than you speak ho- to me. other than the horse poop, beautiful, beautiful <laughs> place to go. I highly, highly recommend going to Cumberland Island National Seashore. I hope it doesn't get turned into a national park, only because I don't want everyone going there and ruining it. Otherwise, which awesome, they will, they will. That's that's how it goes. People people are always like, oh, national parks, national, other national park sites. I, and, and this is kind of this is kind of a, you know, my little platform. National park sites are very cool. Outside of just the national parks, there's a lot of cool places. In the US, that aren't necessarily national parks, but are national monuments, national seashores, you know, national historic sites, national battlefields. You know, there's so much awesome stuff that is in this country that people kind of just ignore because it's not, it doesn't have that big name to it. You know, kind of like lower league sports in a way.
4: I don't know? know what you're talking about because Wrexham is the big talk of everything right now.
2: So. <laughs> I don't know, but it because
1: looks they like- have two celebrities attached. To them.
4: I'm just saying. It's a whole discourse. Once whole we get discourse.
2: once we get the Marcus Which we'll talk about, coming in with Fort...
1: And how the galaxy oh, yeah. actually got their name. Ooh,
5: anyway.
3: <coughs> yeah. Did you know this? I, I didn't, but I don't want to leave this topic yet yeah, in, terms yeah, gonna, of, uh, in terms of his location, because I, I have a question about it, but go ahead and tell okay. us where your last uh, one
2: was. The last, the last one I want to talk about, um, not necessarily because uh, it's very, like... Oh, that's cool, you know, like, in terms of a lot of things. But Andersonville National Historic Site in Southern Georgia, um, it was a
1: former... You can always get more.
2: <laughs> it was a uh, it was a former uh, Confederate prison, and uh, it now has the uh, National Prisoner of War Museum. And I was... I went in with zero expectation, and it was incredibly impactful. Um, out it's very very difficult it's it's kind of off the beaten track um you know it's one of those places where if you go to it also go to the jimmy carter national historic site which is like maybe maybe half an hour away maybe uh southern georgia you know Was about he half there, an hour
0: like ago. fixing up parts of it
2: no but he he is <laughs> for the for those of you who don't know jimmy carter he's very very involved with habitat for humanity he's a so handy he guy he is a very handy guy um, Seems
1: like he always has like a wound on his head though, because like some kind
6: of board like like <laughs> skin s- tears. Man, they're gonna, uh, skin uh, tears yeah. they're gonna get us all. Skin tears. They'll
3: get us all. One picture ends up in the newspaper. The guy's got a bruise on his face, and now yeah. all of a sudden he's always hurt. From he's always <laughs> hurt. He's,
2: he's I mean, bald. that's what happens when you get old. It's, it's a lot. It takes a lot longer to heal. You know? Yeah. My dad's always got
1: some kind of thing. He's right.
2: How'd you get that, Dad? Nah, I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> went, went to twenty eight different national. Wow. Park Service sites. Uh, I drove personally over five thousand miles on the trip. um Went to three sporting events: two Florida Tropics M.A.S.L. games and a Tampa Bay Lightning game. Uh, went to two different Bucky's locations. Nice. For those of you who don't know Bucky's. Go look up Bucky's. It's no. a whole
1: thing. B-U-C-E-E-S. B- B- U- C- H E E S. It is it is a whole thing. It is man. a whole
2: thing. It's a whole uh, vibe. Southern. I bought a pound and a half of fudge on the way back up, so I got that sitting in my freezer right now. Uh, freezer fudge. Have, freezer right. fudge. Yeah. Got to keep good it good somehow. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, it was it was an amazing experience. Shout out to uh, shout out to my buddy Brian, letting me stay down there for as long as he did. Um, also, shout out to Dave Magnus. Uh, got to see him. At, you saw Magnus. I did. Yeah. I got to see him at one of the Tropics games
6: with Drew. Right. So. Oh. What was that? Was that the one you checked out with uh, Drew? Drew Kemp from the merch. No, he no. was not there.
2: Okay. Yeah, it was. It was me, my buddy Brian, and uh, and, and Dave Magnus were there. and um, Magnus and Magnus. Yeah, shout out, shout out to Dave. Also, uh, also Tom from Swan City, Swan City Syndicate, uh, Tropics. Uh, there, uh, SG. Um, he's an awesome dude. He's, he just is. So. Yeah. Tropics, tropics are really fun. Indoor soccer is really fun. Yeah, I gotta yeah. go watch it more indoor soccer.
0: We'll, we'll get into a little bit of indoor soccer talk when we talk with uh, about some of uh, John John's uh, compatriots growing up in in Vineland, New Jersey.
1: One of them is a legend, I Yes. There's, a,
0: there's a couple
3: legendary guys from that area.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there's so a few. Let's, Mitch, we'll do we'd love on. to hear about your travels. Kyle, what have you been up to?
4: I have not done much because I got a new job, but I decided to have a two-week break. So the last week and a half, I've been playing God of War a uh, lot. Pretty much, that's all I've done. Nice. It's great. It's fantastic. Nice. I highly recommend getting that game if you have a PlayStation. But Nice. Yeah, that's really it. I was like, what else have I done? I cleaned the office.
0: Well, but, that's good. No, mainly God of War, Ragnarok.
6: Yeah. Dude, self-care is important.
0: Fair enough. All right. John, let's get into it. A little career retrospective. Uh, So let's talk about... You're you're from Vineland, New Jersey. Correct. Correct? So that's like southwest New Jersey?
3: It is... uh, Yes, it is. It's, it's, It's situated pretty much the midpoint between Philadelphia and Atlantic City. So, so, so I was
1: going to ask, are you an Eagles fan?
3: I am I am and I grew up an Eagles fan. I married into Redskins season tickets and my children <laughs> now and now my children this is like can Jesus. you still say Redskins? No, I think they're the Commanders now. The Washington team. football
1: team. The Washington, the Washington football, football team. The comman- they're, no, they're officially the I commanders. like the football team better. When Commanders. Really when, the when they were good, the Commanders.
3: When, When they were good they were the redskins yeah uh and so friggin riggins right (laughs) exactly exactly um and then my kids because they spent so much time growing up in kansas city are chiefs fans
5: okay so Mm. it's
3: actually an interesting most of them don't live at home anymore none of them live at home The, the two youngest are in college the two oldest are out working one lives in kansas city one lives in minneapolis but it's a torn household right now because the kids all want kansas city I'd prefer the Eagles to win, but to be fair, I don't give a shit about either team. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. one sport I care about. I've yeah, I, I, probably, probably seen answer. three NFL games all year, yeah. and two of them were last weekend. So it's true. Sure.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's I think about the same for me, too. Yeah. so
3: My dad and my brother were 49ers fans, so
4: it was while I was hanging out with them this past weekend, it was a rough watch for them because they just knew they're not going to win this game. So did,
1: you, did your dad and brother become 49ers fans in the 80s when they were like winning everything?
4: My dad, yes. My brother just decided I'm going to... Cheer for dad's team. Yeah. Okay, got it. I did not do that.
5: So,
3: they are an amazing story, by the way. Like, their franchise. The 49ers? The 49ers. 49ers. And when you look at what Bill Walsh did when he first went in there, and most people don't even remember that because you've got to be fairly old to kind of remember that era and how he turned them into a dynasty (laughs) and how they were absolutely terrible. They were
1: for (laughs) 20 20 years.
3: Horrific. And then he came in. Hired this guy
1: from Stanford, and they were just like, who is this guy?
3: Yeah, and within three years, he turns the organization around completely, and they're in the Super Bowl. And then they hovered near the top there for the next ten years, winning a few Super Bowls, some fantastic players, world-class organization, and it's... It's, it's actually fun as a coach to kind of look at it and see how they did that and to kind of study that a little bit and, and understand what it was that made that organization so good. Yeah. So they're, uh, they're a fascinating story.
0: Oh. My head principal in high school, Milton McPike, who McPike Park is named after in Madison, played for the 49ers oh. in 1962. All right.
4: Wow. Would not have guessed that.
1: Look at at us, full of knowledge.
5: (laughs) Sixty-two. I wasn't even around (laughs) then.
0: Okay, so. Milt was a dude,
1: though. Yeah, he was the dude.
0: He was the dude. Like for a long time. For those
1: of us that know that knew Milt, man,
5: he
0: was the dude. He was the dude. So, JP, growing up in Violin, you had two very interesting soccer connections. Growing up in Violin, the first. Uh, somewhat well known to people that are MLS fans, Peter Vermes mm-hmm. also grew up in Vineland. Actually, mm-hmm.
3: just outside of Vineland, he's from Delran, New Jersey, okay. originally.
0: Yeah. So, well, did you know him at all growing up? Did you play against him growing up?
3: I did. I actually played with him okay. growing up. So it's a it's a it's a funny story, um, and it Thank shows you, how small a world it is. So Peter and I met when we were first 12 years old. And this was during, this was the precursor to what is now known as ODP or the Olympic Developmental Program. They used to have select teams and state teams.
1: Did he have the same haircut?
3: He did. I knew it. Was actually shorter than it is. I knew it. It, it, it was shorter than it is. <laughs> I knew it it, it. it is today. I'll show you some. That funny guy's got a "flat top" written over him, written <laughs> all over
5: him. <laughs> very,
3: very, very strict mom and dad, straight off the boat yes, from I, Hungary. I and knew it. A lot of the players that I played with back then, and a lot of the kids that were on our team back then, were like that. We had yeah. immigrant parents. We were all first generation kids, um, all growing up in South Jersey. And there was this group of us, Peter being one of them, Bobby Joe Esposito being another, Glenn Carbonara being another, Steve Beaker. There were a lot of tremendous players. Steve that
1: Beaker, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Steve wow. Beaker
3: was, it was a legend. Um, and so we met playing for this South Jersey Select team. And interestingly enough, Peter's father, who had migrated over from Hungary, yeah, decided to put together a group of these kids that all lived within about a 30-minute radius of Delran all that had played on this select team and formed his own club or his own club team because the club only consisted of one year and it was the 66 birth year kids so myself and Peter were on that team and continued to play for mr. Vermees the father Michael Vermees uh, until we left high school and ended up going our separate ways to college so we knew each other back then played against each other in college because he was first at Loyola, Maryland, and then he transferred to Rutgers. I was at Penn State, so we met each other a couple of times uh, in college, both at indoor tournaments and outdoor during the NCAA uh, season. So it goes. the relationship goes back a long, long way.
1: Well, and one of the guys you mentioned in that group was Glenn Car- Carbonara.
3: Glenn Carbonara, yeah.
1: I mean, career indoor player. Played 15 years of indoor soccer.
3: Yeah, he did.
0: He was on the. I think the Olympic futsal team too. Yep, he was. Um, He was
1: a team that I, a legend, loved growing up. The Milwaukee Wave. Yeah. He played eight years for Milwaukee Wave. We need to get to a Wave game, by the way. Yes, we We have not. We've been saying this for a long time. We need to do this. Should do that. Like just set it up and just like just fucking do it. But anyways. So
3: so it's it's interesting. But anyone six.
1: Championships of indoor soccer. Oh, and the he'll, dude,
3: he'll like, remind you of it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> God love him. Yeah.
1: So, that's where it's like, but, like a legit legend of indoor soccer.
5: Yeah.
3: I'll um, let, I'm, me, I'm let me. I'm gonna pull up a picture here on my phone I, because I don't know if you guys brought this up for this reason or not, but. But Carbo and I are best friends. He was the best man in my wedding. What I want to ask, and we were just on vacation together. We had we had no co- The whole
1: reason why we we because we, we loved his name because it's like Glenn. They're like, like, well, well, what, 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 what's his next best friend? Tony Tony Lasagna. You <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, I'm Glenn You
0: know, it's like, how
3: you doing? It's I've like,
0: got some other pasta sauce based names that I want to run by you real quick. Okay.
3: Yeah, go for there it. it. How he about
0: this? There he is. There he is. Let me
1: see. You got to send us this picture so we can put it up.
0: Oh yeah, we got to see this. He yeah. looks. So, he looks like a Glenn Car- he Car- looks Carbonara. Great.
1: He looks so, great. He I'm doesn't
3: look nearly as great as I do. I mean, no, look, I mean, I mean <laughs> look at you though. I mean, with like the yeah.
1: Uh, yeah I
6: mean, look how good you
3: look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I look younger next. When I'm standing next to him, I always look younger.
6: So it's good. So, so <laughs> they're good gonna, friends. to have.
0: I'm going to hit you with three pasta sauce based names. You got to let me know which one of these takes the cake and. If they would stack up against Glen Carbonara, okay? Tommy Marinara. <laughs> Carbonara is a better sauce. Yeah. Joey Bolognese. Ooh. 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 That's, that's got a little panache. That or, sounds a little mafia. <laughs> or my personal favorite, Vinnie Vodka Sauce. <laughs>
3: I, I
2: could see why that would be your favorite. <laughs> Did you just pull that from Vinnie Vinesauce, the streamer?
0: <laughs>
5: I'm so yes. Like legitimately, yes. just pull that from yes. the streamer's name. We're going to go yes. with
0: Jimmy Bolognese. Jimmy, Love that.
1: Jimmy Bolognese, I like that. <laughs> so I think we should, have, we should, we got to find like a guy on the team this year that we can nickname Jimmy, Jimmy Bo- Bolognese. Jimmy, Jimmy
2: Bolognese.
3: Jimmy two times, because he says Jimmy two, time. two times,
2: two yeah. times. <laughs> I mean, do we have anyone of Italian descent on the team? No. Um, that's, the ir- team? that's irrelevant. It, that's relevant. We'll not, just,
3: not no. yet not <laughs> yet. yet not yet not yet
1: not yet we'll leave that we'll just leave that in the space
0: so after your days in violin because it sounds like you played all the way up until you made it to college you you went to penn state did you go on a full ride to play to play soccer not
3: initially no okay. i i went actually um almost as a recruited walk-on. I only got books my first semester there.
1: I know this life.
3: But it's where I wanted to be. <laughs> yeah, It was yep. interesting because I had more money offered to me to go to UConn at that time, which was another uh, big powerhouse program. Yeah, Joe UConn. Maroney was the, the head coach yep. there. But there was something about the Penn State name growing yeah. up in New Jersey. There was something about Walter Barr, who's an absolute legend in the game of soccer and just passed away a few years ago to be able to to play for him and to play for Penn State was was an unbelievable experience and something that I will absolutely never forget and, and Happy Valley
1: and is a really cool area too.
3: Happy Valley's uh it's, it's it's gorgeous. It's, it's it's stunning in terms of its beauty. I didn't really realize that when I went to school there. You don't appreciate it for what it is that way. You appreciate the young students, you appreciate the vibrance, you appreciate the partying, you appreciate the sports world, you appreciate the good academics, but you don't really, you don't really take in, I don't think, the scenery, or I didn't anyway, No. Uh, but I got a chance to return there actually with my wife when I was doing some coaching education stuff, and I realized driving through the mountains, going up there, it is absolutely beautiful.
1: So when you were there, who were like... So what years were you at Penn State?
3: I was there 84 through 88. I wasn't allowed to graduate until 89. So um, I'm trying to
1: think, like, who would be some of the, like, the football players that went through um, during that time?
3: So uh, Shane Conlin.
1: Shane Conlon was the name was, I was, was coming. Was one of our... Linebacker for the Bills, right? Correct. Yeah.
3: DJ Dozier was a Yo, big oh yeah, back a there one. at the time. Yep. Um, it was a good team. We actually went uh, to the national championship did, against two in, years in, in a
1: row. And lost against oh, Miami.
3: Beat Miami. Beat Miami and then lost. lost. Mm-hmm. Was it Oklahoma? Was it?
1: Or Nebraska. Might
3: have been Nebraska. I think it was Nebraska. Yeah, I think you right. It was right. Nebraska. Yeah, you're right. You think I remember that, but yeah. who the hell remembers the losses? You remember the wins. Yeah, really? it, was,
1: yeah it was the Mike Rozier team. Yeah. 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 That's what yeah.
3: Yep, exactly. So, um, just a great place. Yeah, I'm so many older good than members. you think, JP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and another place where there was some really good players they, they recruited heavily out of new jersey and pennsylvania so it was a lot of kids from that area that knew each other had competed against each other Troy Snyder, who played for our olympic team and our national team for a little while yeah. was, was probably our most technical player at the time uh... greg kenny was the goalkeeper that preceded me and was my goalkeeper coach there for a couple years phenomenal person great goalkeeper great goalkeeper coach um, and then I, I can't say enough about walter barr he, he was an amazing man who turned a seventeen year old maniac out of New Jersey into maybe not a good man yet, but a, a better man by the time I graduated. So yeah. I, I have a lot of respect for him and if it wasn't for him I'm not sure I would I would have what I have today. There you go.
0: So what what brought you to Russian stars? That was sort of the next stop on your, on your playing the, journey,
3: the, right? the, the next stop. Uh. So it's
0: interesting. I've had to say this in almost any interview, every
3: interview I've ever been involved in. I've never played for a team called the Russian Stars.
5: Interesting.
3: I don't even know where it comes from. The only thing I can think of is that somewhere along the way, someone was interviewing me over the phone.
5: Yeah.
3: And I said Washington Stars. Wow. And it sounded like Russian, Russian stars. stars. Because I did play for uh, an old... Um, This was before the USL. It was when we had the old A-League. It's when the APSL and the USISL had the two divisions in the West Coast and the East Coast. And I played for an East Coast-based team out of D.C. called Um, the uh, Washington Stars.
0: Mitch is our our in-house Wikipedia yeah. editor. He is
1: already changing this because it says Russian stars. So, um, so, I'm, so he is already updating your I Wikipedia. Will,
0: page I will I will
2: <laughs> I will have this updated as soon as this episode goes out because that way I will have a source that I can tie it to.
5: The official so source. I
2: didn't know I had, I, had a Wikipedia I had to page. I had
3: to bring it. Up. Oh, absolutely. Look at this. Okay. You have a huge page. Is actually. it accurate No, somebody just writes no, no, Russian, Russian stars accurate. on it? Man. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're changing it. Like yeah, Russian stars. No, that's Washington stars. Yeah. Okay. Washington stars. That's a it, s- it was actually, Russian
4: stars. Washington stars. Was,
3: again, you want to talk about a small world. Potato, potato. So the Washington stars general manager was Gordon Bradley. Now a lot of people don't know who Gordon Bradley was because Gordon has passed away. Um, but he was one of the, the two uh, pivotal people to help bring Pelé mm-hmm. to the United States to, to the Metro Stars to the yeah. what Cosmos. was what were the New York Cosmos, Cosmos, Cosmos. at the yeah. time Gordon was the coach of that team and I believe it was Clive Toy that was the GM uh, that helped to bring him over so Gordon was our GM John Kerr Sr. was the head coach of that team his son John Kerr Jr is uh, is currently the head coach at Duke University.
1: I believe Gordon was also the guy that brought Franz Beckenbauer to the United States as well. He
3: may have, he so. may have, so I, I would be speaking out of turn, I'm not sure, but I know that he had a hand in bringing over Pelé, and another good man. Um, yeah. that just when you talk about soccer people on the East Coast and you think about the ethnicity of the game and how many of those sure. people that you kind of got to be around and, and helped Form your vision and perspective on the game it's I, I was very lucky that way and Gordon was just another one of those people
0: yeah that's really. what did people in New Jersey think of the of the cosmos we love them
5: really yeah
3: we love the cosmos I mean it was that's what we grew up with now people today kids today are completely spoiled my kids don't know soccer not being on TV sure they don't know The U.S. soccer market without MLS. Right. There was a point in time when I was a kid, I was a sophomore in college, I remember the day it happened, when the NASL folded, because I nearly shit my pants. The first time. The first time. The first time. I'm talking about the NASL of Canalia, Beckenbauer, Nashkins, Johan Cruyff, George Best, Best, all these guys that were playing in that league. When that league went kaput... Guys like me that were in college thinking, all we're going to do when we leave is play professional soccer, yeah. there was no friggin' teams to play for anymore, Right. which led to a lot of us having to leave the country to mm-hmm. play. But it was, it was an interesting time back then because the game was, now the game is everywhere. Everybody sees it, it's on TV, it, all the kids play it, but with the Cosmos, that was the only game that you would get on TV each week, ABC. Apart, from, apart from Soccer Made oh. in Germany. So yeah. you got one hour of Soccer Made yeah. in Germany, and you got the New York Cosmos games with Seamus Mallon doing the games.
1: Yeah, on ABC.
3: <laughs> it, was, it was incredible. So it was it was neat to be able to be there and be a part of that in the 70s and, and the early 80s. And, and to kind of live through that and to be able to see that. My dad would take me there a few times a year. The, the Cosmos Stadium, which was Giant Stadium, right. wasn't that close to us. It was about an hour and 45 minutes, so it wasn't like a weekly trip. It in
1: East Rutherford, which is it's up a, special, there. Rutherford. It's yeah. a
3: special thing. Correct, and we would go a couple times a year, and oftentimes one of those would be an international game, because they did the tra- oh, wow. what was called the Transatlantic Cup. Sure. So the Cosmos would bring in, they brought in Napoli one year, so we saw them. That's brilliant. We saw Nacional from Uruguay, we saw... Um, Cologne from Germany. There were a bunch of international teams that we, we ended up seeing, but then we would go see one or two domestic games as well. I saw the Fort Lauderdale Strikers there, I saw the Tampa Bay Rowdies there. Um, and then a few years later, Philadelphia brought in a team, the yeah. old Philadelphia Fury. Yep. Um, absolutely. And, and so we would go to even more of those games in Philly because Philly was closer than, than East Rutherford was. But the Cosmos were a big deal back then and they were a kick ass team. Yeah. They were a kick ass team.
4: And then you kind of mentioned that international influence where you were saying, once the NASL folded, then I was like, okay, we got to go international. So then you end up in Peru. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I ended up in Peru. It was a weird set of circumstances that led to it. But I, I created an opportunity for myself by calling and networking a few people that when Tony Schumacher, who at that time was the West German national team goalkeeper, came to the U.S. to teach a camp, I created an opportunity for myself to work with him. He was one of my idols in the game at that time. Uh, He was a goalkeeper, uh, played for FC Cologne, played for the West German national team, had played in two World Cups, and I got the opportunity to work with him there. What I didn't realize at the time was how many doors that was gonna open for me, because at that camp were kids and directors from all over the world. And when I say directors, I mean people that ran clubs, clubs, federation people, and and some of those people that I met that were there the that week, of the big hitters, yeah. correct, were uh, people with the Peruvian Federation, soccer federation. And so they asked me if I would go to Peru and run a goalkeeping camp for them. Now I'm a junior in college at the time, so I I created some time and ended up going over there for a week, ten days, and I ran a camp. Actually, two of them, one in Lima, one just outside of Lima. Yeah. And loved my time there and kept in touch with those people. Once I finished school the following year, they asked me if I would come back and create the curriculum for their national goalkeeping school. Oh, my. So I worked it out with Penn State University that that was my internship for college. That's great. So I went there for a three-month internship, lived in Lima, had just essentially finished college and my college playing career, but started training with a couple pro teams there. Yeah, they asked me to stay. I ended up staying, signed my first contract there with a club called Sport Boys just outside of Sport Lima. Boys. Sport, Sport Boys. Boys. Now, what the hell team in Peru is named Sport Boys? <laughs> but it was founded by an Englishman. I can't remember when. I don't remember the guy's name. There's a lot of things I don't. Pink remember. and black. Pink and black, that I do remember. The, the colors were, were... It is
4: very pink and black. It's like Palermo. Fusion. Yes. It I is, pulled up the Wikipedia. It is yeah.
3: beautiful pink and black. And, yeah. and let me tell you something. The people in that area, it's a, it's a port city. And they are the warmest. They call them La, La Gente Caliente. They're very warm people there. And I just fell in love. Put it on the list. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I fell in love with the city. It's called Callao, just outside of Lima. I lived in Lima. I played in Callao and had the greatest time of my life just after college there. The problem wasn't the football there. The problem there was the the government at the time. The the government was a bit corrupt. Alan Garcia was the president. There was a tremendous amount of, of uh, terrorism that went on, I can't remember how to pronounce the name of the terrorist group, but they're called the Shining Path in English. And the our government essentially closed our embassy there and said, you've got two weeks to leave or you're kind of on your own, and this was right at playoff time. So I stayed another, I overstayed my welcome, I stayed another three or four weeks and then ultimately ended up leaving.
0: John, you what know what's interesting? This? I actually found a photo of you playing for that Sport Boys team. You had long curly hair oh, yeah. coming down the side oh, and yeah. in the back. Yeah. You are very, very obviously from the United States <laughs> compared to the rest of these guys. <laughs> uh, yes, but part of the reason for keeping that long hair
3: was, and again, this goes back to yeah. the whole terrorism thing, there were checkpoints throughout the country there to look... Sure. And so it's, it's the first time, the only time really, no, not the only time, it happened once in England, where there was the nuzzle of a gun put up against my head yeah. as they came onto to the bus to check for papers. And over time I realized I need to keep my hair long because they started to mistake me over time as an Argentinian sure. mm. and ended up leaving me alone. Yeah. So it was, part of it was simply survival yeah. while I was there. And part of it was kind of an image thing as well, where you're a young kid, you're playing professional soccer, you're living yep. abroad. It was, you know, life, liberty, and the and the pursuit of happiness. Sure. And I just let it go. I let it go until I started having kids. And once they started crying, looking at me, it, was,
6: right. <laughs> it got shorter
3: and shorter <laughs> with each child. When were you in Peru then? What years? 89, uh, I played no. the first season there. Yeah. And okay. I went back in 91 to play for the same coach but a different club. Things so, had settled down, and they changed president. I going to say, this country.
4: is after that whole prison massacre situation, Correct.
3: right?
5: Correct. Okay. <laughs> Correct.
3: When I went back in '91, uh, a, a guy Japanese descent named Fujimori became president, cleaned up the government at least for a little while. I think until he became a little corrupt. Sure. Um, but the, the country was in a much better state, was in a much better place at that point in time.
0: So uh, your second year that you that you played. Uh, in Peru, you were at Alianza Atleti?
3: Yep, in Suyana, Peru, way up north, yep. kind yep. of bordered Ecuador.
0: The interesting thing here that I found was that Sport Boys won the second division in 89, your first year with them. They got promoted.
3: We got promoted, correct. We From, were in the second division. The team had been relegated because of financial improprieties, I guess, or sure. something had happened financially before. A I'm Rangers
1: sure. situation.
3: Yeah. I was
4: going to say Juventus. <laughs>
3: But
0: I will you, always
4: back on
1: Rangers
0: The interesting the thing here is that the next year they finished runners-up in the first division. They are,
3: if you think of, of that club and you look at the history of that club, they are part of the top four really in Peru. Mm-hmm. If you look at La Ur Universitario, Alianza Lima, Sport Boys, and Sporting Cristal are probably your top four teams there traditionally. So it was a very powerful team with a lot of money. <coughs> so... It, I don't want to say that our run in the second division was easy. Sure. But we didn't lose much.
0: Yeah. Um, so then after Peru, you come back, you play for the kickers in Richmond.
3: Yeah, actually, that's. uh, It
0: was after the
3: first time in Peru was when I played with the Washington Stars. Okay. What what is what is now known on Wikipedia as the Russian Stars. Russian Stars. So Um, so when was when was that that you were with? (laughs) 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 Making sure here, Wikipedia sure. I believe that was 1990, if I remember right. So okay. 89 was boys, 90, I think, was Washington Stars. 91, I ended up in Alianza.
2: How long were you in Al- with Alianza? For a year, one just season. A year. Yep. Okay.
6: I think you just found your ghostwriter for your memoirs. Just <laughs> there you go. Perfect.
0: <laughs> so, how, how is it, you know, I mean, obviously, the kickers have been playing at the same stadium, City Stadium in Richmond, for forever. What What's it like going back there as a coach?
3: Weird yeah yeah it's really it's strange because it it hasn't changed much (laughs) the crowds are still good Yeah. the team is still good yep Um, I've bumped in last season to a couple of people that I knew back then like the guy that I I don't know if they call him the red hats or whatever they are they're one of the guys that are at the scorer's table that kind of helps with the the orchestration of the game and was the same guy that did it back then he's in his 70s now doing it love that um, yeah, it's great. To, it's just kind of great to see. Um, Rob Ucrops, who was a teammate of mine right. there, is now the owner of yep. the team, the yep. sponsor of the sponsor, team. Yep. So it's it's interesting to go back and to see that. And, and I think it's, it's cool in a lot of ways because, and I've said this a lot, the one thing you really want to be able to do, the one thing I want to be able to do when I'm laying on my deathbed, is to be able to look back on life and say that I left the game a little bit better than I found it. Sure. And to see that a team like that can last that long and that, that as Americans we've been able to back a team like that for so long in minor league soccer yeah. is, I think, a great tribute to, to what we're doing with soccer in this country.
0: Absolutely. Do you do you ever talk with Neil Lavity about, because he was a player there too, mm-hmm. um, I imagine it's probably similar for him, though. His playing days were a little bit closer than yours are. Um, are there other places in the US where you visit where you get that sort of feel
3: um, Charlotte's like that because of the old Charlotte Eagles when yeah. you go back to that town you see it you feel it now they're lucky because they've got the big time team with their MLS team yeah. sure. um, but yeah. it's neat to still see it survive at the USL level mm-hmm. um, Richmond as we said and that's that's probably about it Sure. You know, there's um, Raleigh used to have a team, but they they we didn't play them at that time. When uh, they've been around for a long time and under a few different names and ownership groups. Um, But Richmond's really the big one and kind of the neat one for me to be able to go back and to see. Not to mention the fact that I have family there. I met my wife just outside of that area. My in-laws are there. Um, My mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my my sister-in-laws, brother-in-laws, they all live in that area. So, great to go back there and see them when we have games and nice to have a little support in the stands.
0: Brilliant. So, you move on from the Kickers. You play for a club called the Standard Falcons for a little bit. Where were they located?
3: They were located in Southern California. The town was maybe Fontana, California, I think, maybe.
1: That's a nice nice town.
3: That whole area was beautiful. We had moved there. um, And in reality, I wasn't happy about the move. We moved there because of my wife's job. And it was just before MLS started. And I thought my best opportunity of playing in MLS would be in the D.C. market because people knew me there that the people that were forming the team there had an idea of who I was so moving to Los Angeles wasn't really my idea nor was I excited about it um, but the year before when we moved and in the year before MLS started I played for this US ISL team in uh, called the Montclair Standard Falcons and again got a chance to meet some really good soccer people there and and one of the <laughs> interestingly enough one of the people i ended up playing for later on down the road and then ended up working with named octavio zambrano octavio ended up becoming oh, yeah. the assistant coach of the los angeles galaxy eventually yeah. became the head coach and the yep. coach of the metro stars and then interestingly enough we crossed paths again because we both worked at sporting kansas city as assistant coaches yep. Right. if you've been around forward he's been around he's yeah. been around but yeah, the standard Falcons, that must have been probably 95, I think, 94, yep. 95, yep. Um, the year before MLS started.
6: Yep. So, you know, you're in LA and you're doing all that fun stuff and the Galaxy are like just starting to ramp up, starting to get in a bit of a vibe about them. We know here in Madison how the team got their name. It was a crowdsource thing and there was a bit of a competition. There was a community engagement component. Do you know why the Galaxy got their name?
3: I have no idea. I didn't even know about the crowdsourcing and the, the, that
6: whole idea. So what? No, with us. Yeah, you, yeah. You didn't so know about I had, this? no, I had no so idea. Th- the beast that is the, one of the the godfathers of American soccer, Peter Wilt. It was like you know, you're going to build a club. You're going to build it around the community. You're going to offer up as much ownership as you can to the community. It was like let them pick the colors, let them pick the name, let them pick the vibe, and then you'll take the lead from the community. And that's what Ford Madison has always kind of aspired to and bringing that component into the organization the ownership how they recruit how they like introduce the players and the coaching staff into the city is like this is the city's team this is the club that belongs to madison you know our, our club our city so anyway back to the
1: but but that being said we were this close to being known as the was Wisc- the madison curds
6: yeah so you know we were gonna have a cheese curd as our mascot.
1: Yeah,
3: you guys chose right by going with <laughs> <laughs> you know. <Yes>. <laughs> it, was,
1: it was an advisory, I mean, and an advisory. A, advisory. Like it those. literally came down to
6: what we have now and that. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm not saying the people of Madison were always correct. I'm just saying the powers that be chose correct.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and that was Peter Wilt's idea to go about it in that way. Yeah.
6: Yeah. yeah and now you yeah. see it being replicated in Milwaukee and everything else. So yeah. it's a, it's a true. Try and test Rampage. Re-
1: so I'm really hoping for Milwaukee's best,
4: right? And that that would be great. <laughs> Not, bad. Not bad. I'm sick with the Rampage. Got yeah. a, an if old day to history.
3: Just a to a comment on Peter Wilt. He's yeah. a genius when it comes to forming teams in the United States. Yeah. He's done a brilliant job of it in a number of different cities and in different levels, including
0: MLS. So. Yeah.
6: yep, I agree wholeheartedly. You, you,
3: you had a you had a good guy that, that helped start the club
6: definitely um so i I don't want
0: to gloss over the fact that you played for the first two years for the the galaxy mls team
4: we never got to was it the galaxy is how the fans chose the name
6: right exactly
0: the fans didn't choose the name in the galaxy
6: right it was more so of why the name was chosen for the galaxy is because it is basically uh the home of the stars of hollywood
3: makes perfect sense yeah it makes perfect sense it's
6: nice to see something in our organic and symmetry coming out of such a fucking fake place (laughs) (laughs) and and
3: they're going through a hell of a time right now because I don't know if you're tracking it and and it's interesting because I was involved there there will always be a place in my heart for that club Mm -hmm. whether we competed against them whether I'm in the same league or not it's irrelevant I always track a little bit of what's happening and I think it's great that they've brought back the coaching staff that they have now because they were all part of our first team there right? Greg Manny, Dan Kalishman those guys mm-hmm. were all there and involved as players the first year much better players bigger players than I was mm-hmm. but the fact that they're going through the horseshit that they're going through now where the fans have essentially said we're boycotting all the games
1: yeah right and
3: we're not coming back until they get rid of I guess the president and the technical director is that what they're looking for I think yeah sounds like it yeah so it, it, it's
1: that's what Horte told me last yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's I a
3: shame that it's come to that And and it's we live in an interesting time right now, where people can make those kinds of demands, and they can get on social media and create enough of a enough momentum that something like that gains some kind of credibility, Mm -hmm. and. Listen, I'm not there every day, so I can't tell you if it's well run or not. Have they been super successful over the last 10 years? Not really, not as much as they probably should be based in a market like that. But there's a lot of competition in that market, entertainment competition, not just with LAFC, but just in terms of general things to do in right. a beautiful environment with a lot of beautiful people. Yep. There's a lot of shit to do in LA.
6: So that's what I was going to actually ask, and it said beautifully to the question, and it's a little off script, but like with LAFC, how do you, how do you see? I I know competition is healthy. I know it's viable, but do you think that there's actually a sustainable model in that component For the to have? But, yeah.
3: You mean with the two teams in that market? Yeah. yeah. I, I do think that there's enough room for them. I think that you can see that there's a difference in the way the clubs are, at least on the outside, perceived yeah. and what their fan groups stand for. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think if they can maintain that, because it's very organic, it's not like the league tried to create that. The league may have tried to create competition right. and a rivalry by putting two teams sure. in the same area. But it's the fans that have made it what it is. Yeah. And it's a pretty heated rivalry. And, and you could mm-hmm. see it. Like, some of the better games, especially when Zlatan was here, it oh, was yeah. unbelievable. And the coverage that that brought for the game oh, in yeah. general on ESPN well, and ABC. And
1: You had a lot of the LAFC people, which were old. Like, Chivas. Chivas people, Chivas. right? Right. Yep. And so LAFC was smart in the sense where they pretty much leveraged on those people and said, like, hey, you
3: know, because
1: they never were able to create that Rivalry like they'd have now when Chivas was there.
3: Correct. And I, I again, I, I'm not a marketing guy So I, I don't know if going about it the way Chivas did was right or wrong In sure. the end you could say if it's a result-based business It was wrong because they didn't it wasn't right. sustainable. It wasn't a viable business uh, However, having to, to go back to your question having those two teams in the same market I think it's viable I think I think financially it makes it's viable that they can both exist there I think that they can both have large enough crowds and support yeah, and it would be really awesome if they were both really, really good.
5: Yeah. I like
6: that because like it sets a precedence for other states to have multiple professional teams as well, and it shows them that it's it's a good template to run off. Because right now you you look at like so many states that are whatever league you're looking at, where you're looking at the vast distance of this place, and that's why they set up multiple conferences. Obviously, but as as you trickle down, and you want to prepare. A a policy of like promoting infrastructure, I think that's a really cool template and a business model to be able to replicate or at least provide. I don't want to say like anything below USS is feeder, but at the end of the day, when when that's the the pinnacle of the professional game over here, you kind of have to be the default of that when you're looking at like developing talent. I
3: would agree. I would agree as well. And. and not only developing talent, but just developing the rivalries and what that creates for the league. So if you look, for example, and again, I don't know if this was a strategy of the leagues or not, but they put the two teams in New York. Yeah. So you had, what was the Metro Stars that turned into the Red Bull? Mm. And then they added NYCFC. Now that's a pretty good rivalry that's going on in New York. and, And what I would think would be even more interesting, and there's a lot smarter people working on these things within the league than me, but I would love to see both of those teams, because of the stadium issues going on with NYCFC, sure. I would love to see them playing in Red Bull Arena. No different than the AC Milan, Inter Milan, playing out of San Siro. You've got the two teams. Yep. Uh, Roma and Lazio. I mean, that, it would be phenomenal to see both those teams. Now, I can't see how that would happen, because it's Red Bull Arena. Why the hell would they want NYCFC yeah. in that stadium? Playing in, in Jersey correct because part of it is about them selling cans that's right. that's what the red bull yep the market my it, it's all about marketing the product however if you're talking about marketing the league and marketing football within the united states to have those two teams playing out of the same stadium if you think there's some some piss and vinegar in that in that rivalry well, right now wait till you get those two teams playing out of the same stadium do you so, see that
4: being a possibility maybe in a different city down the road if the U.S. ever does implement pro Like, do you see a city in your mind that's like, yes, they will put them in the same stadium like a Chicago or Dallas,
3: Miami? So I, I could see it in a few different places. New York, for me, right Houston, now is, sure. is the most obvious one. Chicago, for me, almost yeah. seems like it's set up as... Because isn't it like the north of Chicago and the south of Chicago? Like Very that's so. a big rivalry. It's like yeah. the Cubs yep. and the yep. White Sox, or yep. if I've got that right. And I'm, listen, I'm not local to the Midwest, but you are correct. Um, yeah, I, I think something like that in Chicago could work, where you have two teams in right. that market I think on Houston each side could work too. on each side of the of the, um, of the city. Houston might work. I don't know the demographics well enough there. I don't. I don't know the city well enough. I think. I
2: think yeah. Dallas, Fort Worth. Put yeah. one team in Dallas. Put one in Fort Worth
3: that could I mean I guess that would be a possibility because of what exists there I think you could see it in in South Florida with some of the teams that are there you know or some of the cities that are there I think you can you can look at you know, if you look at the, the rivalries that exist in college, like if you look at the whole, the, the triangle in North Carolina, you know, oh, yeah. Duke yeah. Chapel Hill, I could whole, see that. like you could see two teams in that area doing it. I don't know if that would be at the MLS level or if it would be more at a USL level, but I think those are things that the leagues need to explore because you, you, you have natural rivalries that are built into the country and into those geographic areas and to be able to take advantage of that even though they might not be soccer rivalries
6: mm-hmm.
3: they are rivalries that exist in people's oh, minds it's, it's cultural it's cultural it's area against area. It's yep. neighborhood against neighborhood and yep. that's those are always interesting because they tend to be the most bitter yep and that's what creates the best rivalries it's 100%. like
2: Chicago st. Louis or Cleveland Detroit or Seattle Portland like Boston
3: New York Boston New York, New York
2: no. of course like no. These, you get to the heart of it, and those are you put a team in each of each of those cities, and they're going to want to beat the piss out of each other. It doesn't matter what sport it is; it could be team handball for all we care. Like, Man, let's not slander handball over here, okay? I'm no slandering handball. I'm not. I'm not slandering him I love handball.
0: I
5: was, it was watching it the a, other day.
0: It was
2: great. It's great shit. It's all just right. the first thing that came to mind.
0: Let's yeah. reel it back in. So, John, Pascarella translates to shepherd in Italian, I, yeah? I had absolutely
5: I no knew this. idea that was yeah. the case. I um, knew this, three Shep- semesters of Italian shepherd. at UW, I knew shepherd. this.
0: Shepherd. Okay. so was it destiny that you would end up as a coach?
3: I, I it, it must have been. It, it, it's interesting you say that. My dad has always said from the time I was a kid that I would be a teacher. And then as I got older and was involved in the game and then stayed involved in the game probably longer than I should have, he kept saying to me, you'll coach someday, you'll coach someday. And and my wife is sitting here at the table, and she knows, because she's been with me for 30 years, I had absolutely zero interest in coaching. Oh, sure. Or teaching, for that matter. I could barely be responsible for myself when I was playing. I couldn't fathom being responsible for an entire group of players. And so it, it, it... was it destiny yeah maybe was it something i had planned on (laughs) certainly not has it worked out really well it's it's probably been the most gratifying uh, in terms of my professional life forget about my personal life it's probably been the most gratifying time in my life i absolutely love coaching i love the leadership piece of it i love the teaching piece of it i love the methodology behind Getting people to understand game principles and how to play in a certain way. I love trying to influence young men into thinking and believing the same things, and and trying to get a locker room, which is which is not an easy thing to do, to all think in in a certain way and act in a certain way and to move in a certain direction. So I, I love it, but I never thought it was was destined here, was going to happen. So let's
0: let's talk a little bit about that because I I would like to. I mean, I want to talk a bit about your coaching career, but I also want to touch on you've written two books with Tony Englund. I I have. I have. Uh, You had to bring those up. Yeah. And I love Tony. Yeah, but tell us a bit about those and how how you came to to write those.
3: I don't know how the hell I came to write them, but I think there's only been six copies between the two books ever sold. I've given the rest of them out for free.
0: That's funny it, you mention that because we've done the same thing with our magazine. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's how it starts, though. That's how it starts, and then people <laughs> outsold by Eric it, Leonard. It, it snows. It snowballs over time. People start. Their Eric Leonard better. knows this too. You're, believe me, your magazine has a better future than my, <laughs> than my books ever do. Believe me. Believe me. But I, I was approached by Tony uh, a number of years ago. We met on a coaching course where he was a student and i was teaching i was giving a couple lectures i was a guest lecturer Um, and he asked me afterwards if i would act as a a mentor for him through the course which i did and uh and then after that was done that was probably about a year a year and a half long that that relationship just as a as a mentor student and i knew that he had written a number of books i'd actually read a couple of them and he asked me if i would be interested in in co-authoring a goalkeeping book with him and i said i mean it's it's one of the few things i actually know about in this world so i figured that i would i would do some writing so he took a lot of the functional pieces of it in terms of the activities and the exercises and i took a lot of the theory behind the position coaching the position talking about positioning periodization those types of things and it was probably one of the most difficult things i ever had to do
6: it's so it's so hard to put you on a page and to simplify yourself and to be like hey this is this is me on paper and and to like separate yourself from how you actually function and to self-analyze and to self-congratulate or to be at a point where you can be like i'm actually at peace with myself that i can put this on paper and someone else know all about me you know that imposter syndrome kind of thing
3: yes yeah exactly when we have a conversation if I don't like exactly the way something came out, I can re-explain it, and I can delve into it, and I can clarify it, and that's how I work. That's, that's how I build relationships. To try to go through that process of putting it on paper, and then looking at it and going, this doesn't sound right, and this doesn't feel right, and this isn't authentic to me. and mm-hmm. it, it was a miserable process that took forever. It, it, we, we, it forces you to make yourself look in the mirror a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does, and, and that part of it I'm really okay with but I, I, I just don't think I'm a good writer. I think I speak fairly well, I present fairly well, especially if it's something I know what I'm talking about or I get a chance to delve into it and study it. And I think in those contexts, I'm pretty good. Mm-hmm. But if you try to take those ideas and put them down on paper, and you have to be really concise and you lose the emotion sure. out of it, and my world is emotional, mm-hmm. That's that's how I coach, that's how I teach, that's how I connect with people, try and do that through a book and it, it it didn't it didn't feel good doing it i think the product turned out to be okay but that's because i think tony was so good at writing and had done it so often sure. and our editor was quite good mm-hmm. that i think the final product was pretty good but looking back on it now only a few years ago i wish i could redo it because it's like a conversation right that you feel like you could elaborate on but it's you can't elaborate on it it's done
6: and there's some things that you knew that you did then for that reason but now it's even clearer the actual what you were actually trying to get to with that and, and you were making yeah. the best analogy or the best the best presentation of what you were trying to get across uh, to, to be elegant about it and yeah. to execute your actual it's vision a,
0: it's always at the time though right it's why it's why it's, like, even, mm-hmm. it's why even like major major best sellers end up doing like a fourth or fifth edition that's like Revised and yep. has a different forward. It's like I want to provide this with a with a different sort of context than maybe that that you're used to. And here's some new information that's part of it. Exactly.
5: Exactly. Medical
6: journals get edits every single time. I don't know why a sport professional wouldn't get another edit. Yep.
0: So let me let me ask you a question. So you you seem to have, I mean, obviously you offered a lot to this book. Tony wrote a lot of it, but you still offered a lot. You seem to have a cerebral approach to coaching and performing, and you seem to be constantly pushing yourself to learn about the game. Tell us about tactical periodization. (laughs) Who has talked to you about
3: my involvement with
0: tactical periodization?
3: Nobody. I'm just curious.
1: We found this out on our own.
3: Okay. Okay. It it is something that I'm studying now. I'm doing my master's.
0: Periodization is like a huge thing in the cycling community, and the swimming community. Yes. And I don't think it's as big a deal in the soccer community yet, but it's going to be.
3: It it, it is becoming a bigger and bigger deal. Physical periodization over the last 10 years, 15 years, and if, if I go back to my first days in MLS, my first job at Sporting Kansas City, for example, I was both the... Uh, high-performance coach or conditioning coach of the team. That was,
0: again, with Peter Vermes. That was with Peter,
3: correct. That was with Peter in Kansas City. This goes back to 2008, 2009, somewhere around there. Um, But it, it was becoming a bigger deal then, but it was all about the physical periodization. It was all about, you know at that time can you be at your peak performance for the playoffs when you need to be when you need to be right and then you start to realize through studying and through the application of it week to week day to day year to year that in football it's not a matter of peaking at the right time right well maybe it is but it's peaking every weekend yes and it's getting the right cycle down the right microcycle the right balance of training and recovery throughout the week so that you're as fit as you can possibly be but also as fresh as you can possibly be for the game on the weekend and that advancement on the from the physical perspective in the in the professional game of soccer in, in MLS in the USL around the world is is quite developed right now I, I think just as much as it would be in in track and field or in other endurance sports like cycling I was going to bring running, up cross country cross yeah. country 100 percent 100 percent a lot of it a lot of the base for it came from that, um, and people like Jens Bangsbo, who was working at Juventus a number yeah, of years absolutely. ago and, and brought that to the forefront. And then we've refined it, not we, people in the game have refined it, people like myself have stolen good ideas that others have put forward, and Forever created, does. yeah, that, that's what we do, and, and created what essentially is a microcycle for the training week within soccer that makes sense so that you're fresh as well as fit from week to week to week. Right. Tactical periodization is a completely different animal because it looks at the game holistically. It's not looking at just the the pillar of fitness. Sure. It's looking at fitness, the technical, the tactical, the psychological, the the social, the socio-emotional piece. All of those things tied together through the the prism or through the lens of complexity theory. Yeah. And when you look at teams, they are complex systems because there's so many individual pieces and parts and all these separate inputs create something that you don't necessarily know what's going to emerge. And so the piece about the tactical periodization that's so interesting is trying to create a team that's principle-based around game model, around your game model, around the way you see the game, and get them to see and understand that, and that's really difficult when you have 11 people on the field that all grew up playing the game in a very, very different way, that see the game in a very, very different way. You've got a player from Mexico playing with a guy from Argentina, playing with a guy from Greece, playing with a guy from Germany, who've all grown up with completely different influences, and trying to get them to see the game in the same way. and so. I've been working on this thing for the last 18, 13 months. I've got a couple months left of work to do. I've just returned, um, what was it, two months ago. It I wasn't even two months ago, was it, when I was in Porto to do some yeah. studying there hands-on. Um, I'll probably take one more trip there next year just to kind of finish up some stuff. But I'm in the process of writing my my thesis, and it's currently about 180-some-odd pages long and i've probably got yeah it's you know it's funny you said cerebral and the cerebral way of looking at the game i would have never thought that i would have been that way about the game because it was so instinctive when i was younger but i've really enjoyed studying the game and i've really enjoyed studying how to influence people to buy into certain things right and to study the game and what's successful in the game, the cutting edge of the game, and tactically, psychologically, physically, and put all those things together. And then work within a team of staff members that can make the whole team kind of follow that direction. Because you've got to remember, it's no different for the staff than it is for the players. Right. Matt grew up with a very different perspective on the game than I did. Yep. Neil grew up with a different perspective than all of us. Our influences are all different. And that's what's so fun about the office every day, is talking to those guys, talking to Jim Launder, talking to Keith T. Meyer, and putting together something that's authentic to us, Sure. and then trying to have that impact on the players and get them to buy into that way. At the same time, taking into account our context today and where we are, the city that we're in. Yep. And people don't realize, I didn't realize, in my first, my second head coaching job in Oklahoma City, how important context is, how how important it is to understand what people are watching in the team from the fans perspective and knowing that this is what they want to see. It doesn't, I'm not the only one that matters in this in terms of what I want to see my football team do and be able to to play and implement on the field. Part of it has to be authentic to them as well. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I understood that until I started studying tactical periodization and how the whole social piece ties into football.
0: I just think it's super cool that we have those different perspectives in our, our backroom at Ford Madison. We have a guy like you who, you know, for all intents and purposes, have shared very similar experiences to somebody like Matt, except he's much younger than you much less experienced it hasn't played internationally but has a different different approach to coaching the game that you do but you're bringing this like very hey this is the way cuz i honestly think that the way that you're thinking about this tactical periodization is a very is a cerebral approach but it's also a very timely approach to the correct. game correct and I, I feel like it's one where if they weren't hiring some, you know, if they, were, if they didn't have somebody like you in the back room, they'd be hiring somebody to analyze what's going on. And you're able to say like, okay, because you've been a, a performance coach before, you've been a fitness coach before, you've done those things, but you're also able to look at it from a completely like objective like. Here's where the, the sort of the algorithm the, the formula the fitness piece of it fits into what we're trying to do. And we have all that a uh, third division level like
5: That's in this huge.
0: country it's and uh,
4: not
3: many can say that.
0: No. I just think it's super cool. John,
3: we, we do too. we we, yeah. we don't take that we don't take that lightly. And we spend a lot of time together kind of talking about the game, dissecting the game, arguing about the game, and, and our perspectives on it. And I think it's a really good blend yeah. uh, in, in our locker room. When I say that, I mean talking about the coaches. Yeah. Um, now, what we have yet to do here is to turn that into wins, turn right. that into success. Right. And, and I'm really thankful to the organization, to the ownership, that they've given us some time to do that. Because the one thing I can tell you, and I, I wouldn't necessarily say this to our ownership, but it's come up now naturally, is that the one thing that we had in Kansas City that most people don't realize is the ownership group gave us the confidence to do things our way. Sure. And when we got there, in fact, my, my job wasn't with Peter initially. Sure. Peter was the technical director and Kurt Anolfo was the head coach. And we weren't very good in fact when peter took over the team we still weren't very good until about the third year three and a half correct. years in correct however the ownership group gave us enough time and space to turn it into our locker room to create the culture that we wanted to create to yeah. turn over the team the way we wanted to turn them and over They knew it would take time and they knew it would take time you can't You can't just, and coaches don't say this because they're trying to buy themselves time. They're saying this because it's reality. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to be very direct, if you want to be a little less complex in the way you play, then maybe you can have success a little bit earlier. But I think for us in our locker room as coaches, it wouldn't be the football we want to play. And you could see some of it come out last year, but it wasn't quite good enough. And, and so we're slowly but surely turning over the team and creating a culture and a sure. locker room and a group of players that, that we think can get us there. And the ownership has given, uh, given us enough time and space to be able to do that, and that's, that's not always the case. it's no, not I, always the case.
0: And I think that's one of the things that we as fans have to remember is that this stuff takes time. It's not gonna happen overnight. For sure. I mean, I just,
3: I, I look at good friends. We were just talking about this. My wife and I were talking about it the other night because I, I just talked to one of them the other day. But the coaches at Houston Dynamo, Paulo Nagamura played for us in Kansas City. He coached for us in Kansas City as part of Swope, Swope uh, Park Rangers, the USL team. Yep. Jimmy Nielsen, who was our goalkeeper there and yep. was, the, was the head coach yep. uh, for the Oklahoma City Energy for a couple of years, those guys were given less than one year to turn around the Houston Dynamo. Now, and gonna talk, it can happen.
4: Especially in the MLS where it, there's so much parity. You never know what's going to happen with all the allocation
3: stuff. It's not their roster. The mechanisms that are in place to turn over your roster and to bring in the people you want, it, it, it's not like it is in Europe. You don't just right. get rid of 15 players and spend $600 million right. like Chelsea did in the transfer window and turn your fucking team over like that. It doesn't right. They just dropped $130 happen.
6: million dollars on Hernandez.
3: Yep.
5: Yeah. On, on one guy. Right. Could you, could
6: you imagine what that much money would do to like any team but like especially what that, that investment in USL right you, yeah. you're dropping 140 million on, we could build on, a stadium <laughs> no you you could build out like a secondary training camp literally that's not having the people train on their home ground where they're like literally having infrastructure a lot where they're more having than that too Yeah, across like, the board like, like you, you could start, you could million start, you could really start an here. academy
2: with that money like a good academy right off the
0: bat with that sort of
2: money I in this league
0: I think we've determined that having JP here, having you here, JP, uh-huh. is, is a big deal for us on the tactical, on the studiousness side of the game. Let's talk through a little bit. We can cover very quickly. 03 or 98 through 08, you were a coach in the ODP, mm-hmm. Olympic Development Program, as well as the Maryland Terrapins and the Herndon Hornets in
3: <laughs> high school. High school. I, uh, I got my start in coaching all pretty much within the youth game. Yeah. It, it first began at the University of Maryland. I spent three years there. It was kind of part-time, and I I didn't do it as a favor to Sasha Shirovsky, but he kind of convinced me that, that I should try it. I initially didn't want to do it. It was probably a nine-month to 12-month window where we talked about it a few times, and I kept saying, no, no, no. And, and eventually it was my wife that had said to me, Why don't you try it? Because 10 years, 15 years down the road, you may kick yourself in the ass for not having... Given it an opportunity. That Lisa's a
6: smart lady. I, I was, was just going to say, it. I see a pattern here. Where like, <laughs> I, 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 It starts with you saying, I didn't want to do it, but my, my wife my, <laughs> my, my, my gave me the opportunity yeah. to those not be a dumbass. Women, those good women
1: in our life, <laughs> what yeah, are we yeah. going to she, do? My,
3: she has been, she's, been the, she's the good little angel on this side. I've got some other little pain in the ass bad yeah, guy right, right. on this side. John,
0: you know. my wife's that's name is Lisa as well. That's you. Why like, right? Yeah. You listen to people named Lisa. I know that now.
3: Yeah, so she probably wants to kick herself in the ass now
0: because I've never home
3: I've traveled I've moved her to like six different cities and and that's kind of been the progression she but seems cool yeah she seems cool she's she's, she's very cool actually um, but it was all through youth soccer essentially I worked with young people young adults I worked in the ODP system I worked with uh, youth players with youth teams and I worked at a high school coaching a high school team and I did that for almost 10 years while yeah. I was helping to raise my children I always wanted either my wife or I to be home with our kids yeah with my soccer career going on a quick downhill slide and my wife's selling career going upward it, it became very obvious that it was going to be her that was gonna it was gonna to continue to work and me that was gonna stay home
0: I just love the fact that you two are able to kind of tag in and out though as your careers like there's no like paths.
1: dynamics like all right it's, this is your turn like you're the one you're like yeah. you're you're the you're bringing home the that. bacon now I love that That's what that's what's going to happen and I'm going to do this and this is how we're going to do this and this is this is just awesome.
3: I yeah. Mean, this is, this, this, that's great. This, this is awesome because we're, we're 30 years into it. We've worked our asses off for what we have and I don't and mean- And for each
0: other, right? And that's what I
3: mean. It's not for the financial yeah. side. It's mm-hmm. not for the house, houses that because we owned or f- the- It's because we stuck through it and, and anybody who's been in a relationship that long knows that there's good and bad and we weren't willing to quit when it got hard. And so we fought too. through all that. And now we've got a really good thing going. It makes me laugh sometimes because the things that would have pissed me off 20 years ago.
1: They don't piss you off anymore, do they? No. Nah. Like for
3: a split second, you'll be like, ah, and then you just start to laugh. And then yeah. she'll giggle because she knows what I'm laughing about. Right. And, and it's just, it's a very natural thing now. It's, it's really cool. It's
1: like that you have that connection which goes beyond not just what's here on this earth. It almost goes beyond something where it's like yeah. an unspoken bond that will go beyond anything else that, that that you know to the point where it's almost like, like you're saying, something will happen, and before the words come out of your mouth, she already knows what's going to come out of your mouth. Yeah, yeah, and the
3: kids do too. And the so cool and good. the
1: coolest thing about that is because the root of that is trust, right? It's the trust, it's the trust that, like, this person, like, and trust is the sexiest thing in the world, without question. Because when you have that, because trust leads to loyalty and all that other stuff. And so, that's the thing where I look at that, where I'm like, the fact that, like, it's 30 years now, and I think you guys have had this. That's cool. Yeah, that's school. cool. I and then that, that, you're still building on
4: top of that, which is even better.
0: Correct. I love how Kyle's sitting in between Lisa and <laughs> <laughs>
5: John. Well, I also looked at in.
4: Liam, and he had a look. I was like, I don't know where you're going with this.
6: I, I want to take this opportunity in this platform uh, to apologize to my wife because Tupperware is not fucking important, and I'm an idiot. <laughs> oh,
5: wow. Thank you. Look, you
4: lose a bunch of Tupperware, you replace it two months later. It's fine.
6: It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's the fact that I met it at a fucking issue, and I'm an idiot. <laughs> so these thank are, you sure are does Becky listen to this
0: not a uh, chance religiously
6: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm Just gonna say I'm like, I'm it's like
6: it's in between her murder podcast and this yeah well yeah you gotta meditation. have time for the murder podcast yeah. so this is her light podcast
0: skip to the minute and er, hour and <laughs> 20 minute mark uh so let's let's wrap up the managerial days real quick so you end up with, at Sporting Kansas City with Peter Vermes again uh Des Moines, you end up becoming the Menace's uh, head coach. Correct. And you end up at Minnesota United as their first goalkeeper coach the year they go to MLS. Uh,
3: no, I was actually there. I came in year two. Oh, really? Yeah, I, okay. wasn't, I wasn't there in year one. Year one, I was still with Des Moines. Okay.
4: You're like, I'm not getting associated with that terrible year. No, nah, nah, that wasn't
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant by saying that. Uh, that's not what I meant at all. But it, it was. I I was, Peter had given me a really good thing in Kansas City, Sure. but I wanted to grow outside of there, and I had had been a a goalkeeper coach, I had been a high performance or conditioning coach, I had been an assistant coach, and I wanted to be a head coach, I wanted to grow in that role, and I knew that that wasn't going to happen within MLS, and there was a great opportunity at Des Moines, the timing was right, and so I took that opportunity to go there. It appeared at the time that there was a great opportunity to leave there and to go to Minnesota United Sure. because they needed help in, in, in roles that I had done before, with some of the scouting stuff, with the goalkeeper coaching stuff, with all of those pieces. But they also dangled the carrot of bringing on board a USL team within a couple of years that, I could, that then, right? <laughs> I could then become head coach of it became it became obvious quite quickly that that wasn't going to happen so i needed to look for that opportunity again myself
6: Sandbagging son of a bitches.
5: <laughs> Thanks, we, Adrian. No, again, again,
1: <laughs> we became the USL team that they wanted to use. Yeah, right. Those fuckers. Yeah, Thanks, they, Adrian he, Heath.
3: And, and they did. That relationship started while I was at Minnesota. Not right. because of me, but I happened to be there when the relationship first began. Sure. With Madison. With yeah. Madison. Okay. Correct. And yeah. we ended up sending a few guys. Dane St. Clair came yeah. down here. Uh, Albert Dunlady came down yeah. here and Carter played. Carter Manley. Carter, Carter Mann,
2: was great. Wyatt Omsberg. Um, Correct. Mason Toy. Toy. Yeah. Mason Toy.
3: Yeah. Mason, what a kid, by the way. Allie Hamis from Minnesota. That's right. And he was here as well. That kid showed up in, can- in uh, at the airport in shorts and a tank top. Which no, kid? Uh, Allie? and Ganze. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Allie and Ganze. And had no idea what the temperature was like. <laughs> <laughs> it was a kid from Africa showing up in Minnesota in shorts, flip-flops, and a tank you can yeah. do this for like two and a half
4: months, but that's
3: it. Yeah, it was it was incredible, but but that whole it, and again, you know, people, you say that sand, those sandbagging son of the bitches. They were great to me because they gave me another opportunity oh, yeah. to grow and to get better. And, uh-huh. and, and and you know, listen, one thing leads to another, leads exactly. to another, and it goes back to what we talked about. It, there's just this, you have to have trust in the process. And if you do... It
1: goes back to that trust thing.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. it goes back to that trust thing. And if, if you... I've always said, if you try to treat people well and you do decent work, the next job will come up. The next Absolutely. opportunity will happen and, and it just kind of flows from there. So yeah. they gave me an opportunity. It led to my next opportunity. That led to my next opportunity to come here. So it's it's been a great, it's been a great, great voyage. So speaking sure. of that,
1: I mean, I think like the first time that we got... that we were introduced to you, Was actually in Minnesota. I think it was last year at the that a Tunes game. A Tunes game where we were up there. Correct. And I think your son was actually playing. On the Ford Madison team.
3: That didn't happen. He was trialist number two. He was <laughs> trialist number two?
1: He's an NCAA
3: athlete. He was yeah. trialist number two. <laughs> he and definitely did not get paid for never, that. He did not zero. get there. He never paid. got off the bench, sat there and watched the Warriors. Yep. He sat there
1: and watched, and we were like, hey, this kid looks good. He should get out there and play. We're seeing him during these, pre- like these warm ups. He
0: looks good. Exactly. But, anyways, exactly.
1: I think that was the first time that we ran into you up there. Um,
0: we developed a whole backstory for John at this point. Mm-hmm. Right, Grant. Yeah, Grant, do you remember that?
1: Yeah, like we had we had said like he was like like this guy
0: that like you just looked like like you were like a guy who was from the family. Into like no 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 no, 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 no we, were, we were we were a lot more
1: classy than that. Not
0: not, not even close. God. It was like this I've guy owned liked, his
1: own pottery kiln.
0: Yeah, like. he's... <laughs> Like he's spent, it,
1: spent time with spent time he's with his,
0: pots. He's got he's got new glazes you could check out if right. you ever want to check out new glazes. Like he's only coaching. Film. He's
1: only coaching because he loves it. Like his actual yeah. his actual money maker is the pottery. Is the pottery.
3: Okay. That that sounds great. And I, I what I love about that is I was coaching for the love of it, which is why I do it. Yeah. yeah I yeah? mean, that's If you guys saw the paycheck, you'd understand exactly I won't what I I yeah. believe we've heard.
5: <laughs> 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 we we've heard
1: it. We've heard it.
0: Welcome to coaching.
1: <laughs> yeah. But it's like so what was it like coaching here like your first year? Like, you know, like, here Yeah. Like I mean, like especially
0: what, compared to other clubs, like
1: you, 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 you you've We've gone through this extensive history uh-huh. of what you've gone through, and these experiences—your playing career, your coaching career—you know like, career. a lot of places. I mean, it's like, and this is something that's like we're gonna have to bring you back and talk more about this because we could have like a weekly segment, like story time <laughs> with Uncle John, <laughs> you know, and, and you know, and, and, and like—I'm
3: glad you guys feel that way about you it. You know, I mean, because
1: it's it's, but it is that cool and interesting. So it's like, and now all of a sudden, here you are in Madison for our little team. What's it like coaching for this team?
3: It, you guys say for your little team, to me it's, it's, I don't want to say it's just another team, but it's another team. The, the yeah. dynamic for me is the same.
5: Yeah, Love it is.
3: That. It is understanding what the coaching staff right. finds to be important, what yeah. we cherish, what yeah. is authentic to us, what our values are. <laughs> and then being able to try to impart those values on the team. Yeah. Because you want the team to be a reflection of you. Now, yeah. it's not, at the end of the day, it's not my team. It's Matt's team. But Matt is an incredible leader in the sense that he allows each of us a little bit of a say. We each have our part to play in it. And I think it really is becoming authentic to us, not just yeah. to him, but to us. And I think that's important to all of the coaches because we all have our own right. background, we all have our own backstories, we all have influences that brought us to where we are. And he's allowed us to share that with him and with the players. And so for me, it's not really any different here than it's been anywhere else. Now, is the stadium different than some of the others? Yeah, because it's bigger and it's more vocal than Des Moines. It's smaller and less vocal than Minnesota United's. We've got synthetic turf here, where we had really nice grass in Kansas City. I mean, sure there's no, differences, no,
1: it's Grass can't say so.
3: but in, in terms of what's happening day-to-day, it's exactly the same thing. And we're trying to impact the team in the same way. Our, our day-to-day existence, I'm sure if you asked Matt the same question, I would think his answer would be very similar. Yeah. His day is probably not very different and what he's trying to accomplish probably isn't very different than when he was with Sac Republic in the yeah. championship right. or with RSL in the championship right. or in MLS. I think he would tell you the same. So, it's What we do is what we do. We, we try to build trust. We try to have an impact. We try to influence the players to see the game in a way where it's authentic to them and we use their strengths, but also has a reflection of us in it in the way we want to play the game. And that's what we try to do.
1: And one of the things I'm hearing from you is that it sounds like Matt does a great job of delegating. <laughs> and he does. how important, in your opinion, is the ability as a leader to delegate?
3: Uh, personally, I think it's very important. And now what I'm about to say is, is personal to me, I don't think that we'd be able to work together. I don't know that I would be able to work with him or anyone for that matter that wasn't able to do that. Right. And and I'll give you two examples because Minnesota and Kansas City are very easy examples. I've said this publicly before, so I'm not afraid to say it here. (laughs) Inchey was very difficult to work for because he didn't delegate shit.
1: Right. It it was about him. And, And
3: that's okay. Because it's his way, it's authentic to him, and he's had success at Minnesota United doing that. Peter was completely opposite. Peter had a certain way of doing things, but allowed you leeway to do it your way. So he said, this is the benchmark, or this is what I want you to do, or this is the goal that I've set, and this is what you need to accomplish, now go do whatever the hell you need to do to get there. And that is why I stayed at one place for two years, (laughs) and the other place for eight years. So I can tell you that with Matt, he is very much that way, which has made it very, very comfortable for me to be me. He allows me to share what I want to share. He takes as the leader what he wants to use for himself. And what he doesn't, he just says, thank you very much, and and we move on. And that's what makes him an outstanding leader for our organization.
6: I've worked with a couple of people when we're doing charity events, and uh, a couple of the people that were like, some of your best ideas don't come from you, but they come from you being around good ideas. And I think that's huge. And if, if if you're allowing yourself to be opened enough for different perspectives and to be able to apply that to the bigger goal, like you know, everyone knows there's enough of chefs in the kitchen, blah blah blah. But at least if you're all singing from the same menu, mm-hmm. that's an easy executionable thing for it's palatable yep. for everyone.
3: Yeah. Well, I think we said it earlier in the podcast. I, I haven't had really a creative idea ever but I'm really good at stealing good ideas.
0: Me too. Borrowing.
3: Yeah, I know.
1: Borrowing. I know know this, Andrew.
0: (laughs) The best artists (laughs) steal. The best artists steal.
3: (laughs) Yeah, you you, you take little pieces from all of the coaches you've had, all the experiences you've had, all the relationships you've had. I've taken things that my kids have said to me, my wife has said to me, Mm -hmm. things that have happened off the pitch, and use them to help grow a dynamic within the locker room that makes sense for our team. At that moment, so it's mm-hmm. it, it's interesting. Coaching is a is a is a very funny reflection on life, or or I should say, a team maybe is a microcosm of life. Oh, a hundred percent. And and so you take all of these little pieces, and you steal from this area, and you steal from that area, and you take from this guy that influenced you, and you take from that guy, or this woman, or that person, or this kid, and and you mix it all together into something that's that's genuine to you.
5: Mm-hmm. Love
0: it. So, John. Y- your daughter was doing. I have three daughters. Which yeah, one are we talking about? <laughs> so the one that was doing keepy ups. <laughs> My youngest. On the touchline at the Tunes game last year. <laughs> that, that Grant and I were at.
1: Again, with the son that was doing nothing but just watching the game. Yes, obviously. <laughs> he did showed up by his sister. Obviously,
0: I, did not see minutes. Did not at see all. any minutes. At, at all. Not paid for sure, 100%. Uh, this sport seems like. A, a family affair for the Pasquarellas um, do you see your kids staying involved in this game, being involved in it longer term or, or does the does the engagement as it stands end, end with you or, or is it something that you, you hope lasts generationally
3: I don't necessarily hope, although I think it will, especially with the youngest two. All, all four were college athletes. Because you, you were
0: the first soccer player in your family line, yeah? Yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. The only. I know that vibe. Really. The only. My brother played for a while, but I think it was, uh, not to sound egotistical, I think it was hard for him, being five years younger than me, to kind sure. of go down that road, and he just, he, he gave it up fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, but with my kids all four played college sports, three played soccer, one played volleyball. It wasn't soccer that I wanted to be important to them, but I think both my wife and I wanted sports, team sports to be important to the kids and we felt like team which sports you learn, was important to
1: learn from it. Yeah.
3: You learn a a shit ton from it. Uh-huh. There's a lot of lessons to my be gained. Are the same way from playing in team sports yeah. that apply to life. As we said before, being in a team is a microcosm of life. And and so those same problems and those same scenarios that come up in a locker room or within a team or conflicts between players and being able to resolve those conflicts or being able to get along for the, for the journey to the goal, even though you don't necessarily like a person, but you're geared, at least in terms of your vision, towards the same thing, those were important for my wife and I to instill into the kids. Yeah. So we put them in team sports when they were younger. So my you know, kids played baseball, they played basketball, they played soccer, they played volleyball. One stuck with volleyball. In fact, I can remember the day that she came back crying, sobbing, Daddy, I don't like soccer. I said, you don't have to like soccer. You have to finish playing this season because you've committed to it. Mm-hmm. But when you're done, you do whatever the hell you want. And She ended up playing volleyball and then high school volleyball, club volleyball, collegiate volleyball. But all of them played team sports. The youngest two I can see staying in the game. I think part of it is because they were influenced at such a young age by the locker rooms in sure. Kansas City and in Minnesota. They grew up around such a rich soccer, football environment mm-hmm. that it's, it's imprinted on them. So Jordan, my youngest, says she wants to be involved in the game love at it. some level. She yeah. she loves playing, and she would love to play in the NWSL, mm-hmm. but she's going to do an internship with us this summer in the marketing love department. That. Love she's that. already spoken to Eddie Rock at the Chicago Fire about doing an internship there for next year. She wants Good to deal. be involved she's in the game. She's got a whole plan. She's got a whole plan. She's got to figure it out. She, and, and she does. And, and what's funny is the youngest, so we had four kids in five and a half years she was always chasing the other three and Mm -hmm. she's turned out to be a hard ass because of it she's a tough tough kid who knows what she wants yeah what's her name her name is jordan 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 john patrick who's my my second youngest and my only son has been chasing the game and has chased it to the point where he's moved without us so you've I, got
0: John Patrick and Jordan. Do John, the other kids have okay. other than J names? Kara, Kara, and Cassie. Okay,
3: there you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So we had we had the
0: sound, and then we had the j-
5: sound. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I was hoping that too, Andrew. I didn't want yeah. everyone to be at the yeah. same. So, so just to you close know, the loop. was weird, like Car- Kardashian shit, where it's like they all got the same like first initial <laughs> and shit. Nah.
3: To close the loop on John Patrick, he, he wants to play. He talks about playing. I think he's quite a talented player who could, Yeah. I'm not sure about the MLS level, I think could certainly play at the USL level, which is why you saw him last year in that environment. Sitting on the bench. Sitting on Sitting the bench yep. and just taking part in warm-ups.
1: And just taking part in warm-ups.
3: And he has already decided to go down the coaching road. So he has spoken with Jim Launder about coaching education. Jim has put him in touch with people in Iowa because he goes to Drake University. Mm -hmm. He is starting to do his grassroots stuff online with the idea of taking his D license this summer here in Wisconsin while he's home. Love that. So I think you could see those two staying in the game. They seem to both be pretty passionate about it. The older two have stayed involved in sports, Mm -hmm. which is really important to us because we're an active family. Absolutely. My oldest daughter runs half marathons. And it's every friggin' week that I get a text. I mean, I talk to her almost every day, but get a text yeah. from her saying, okay, I've improved my time by this, or it's gone backwards, or I've changed this in my diet, or, hey, look at my time for this last 13-mile run. And I'm like, holy shit, 13 miles? Yeah, they right. have cars for that.
4: <laughs>
6: so, <laughs> right. I'm like, when you bring that up, right, it brings me back to two things. What was your dad's name? Gabriel. Gabriel my dad's name, Gabriel. So, yeah, already, you know. He was way off the mark on you being shout a coach. Out, shout, out <laughs> shout, out Ga- shout out to Gable. Shout out to Gable. Shout out to Pops. Love you. Appreciate you. Thank you for everything. Um, and then the second one, it, it, it does it, it full circle, right? When you're bringing it back to that sporting component and playing team player games and having that like team emphasis, it, it gives you like intellectual empathy. And, and that's such a strong component for any individual to have throughout their life, is to have that empathy in your intellectual ability especially when you're waiting for that next pass because that next pass could be your next promotion or it could be your next partner next job offer so have a little bit of empathy just because you're the smartest person in the room doesn't mean you're not you're going to be smarter by being in the room correct so sure. I, again I, I love the fact that like you, you've grounded your family in that ethos of like work with others because you'd be the better by being around others. I
3: love that. You're the better for it, Mm -hmm. for sure. I think that's that's crucial. We always try to, and it wasn't by accident. We didn't know how it would turn out in the end, but it wasn't by accident that we put them in situations where they were going to be very uncomfortable when they were young. So I'll give you an example. When we opened the new stadium in Kansas City, uh, which at that time was Livestrong Park, there's this wonderful meeting area underneath for the players, their families. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And the high rollers that spend money there and they all gather there. And now you're talking about some people like us that are, that are um, not the most (laughs) affluent, but have some money and access because of the team. Mm -hmm. And then you have people that are billionaires that are in there, not millionaires, but billionaires. And I made sure that my kids, learned how to look people in the eye, shake their hands, introduce themselves, act in a way that was proper for the moment. Mm-hmm. Now there were times when people talked to us about, hey, maybe that's not the right place for your kids to be in that environment nah. at that time. And I actually said to the people fuck off. If it's not exactly what I said, cuz they, <laughs> were,
6: they <laughs> with all due respect, <laughs> with all due with respect. Respectfully, fuck, respectfully, fuck off. Fuck, fuck, fuck off.
3: off. <laughs> Um, but I said listen if there's an issue with my kids and their behavior then bring it to my attention right and, and by all means I'll keep them out of here right. but if it's simply because they're kids then yeah. I'm not I'm not keeping them at home they're nah. going to get accustomed to this environment yeah. because this will make them better in the long run mm-hmm. and now when people have met my kids along the way or they now know them as young adults or as college students you can't imagine how many times and I'm very proud as a father we're proud as parents yeah, about it this like it that people say, your kids can actually communicate with adults, they yeah. can have an adult conversation. They're comfortable in their own skin and in dealing with all types of people. Right. And that was the objective of the exercise.
5: That That's was ab- why we did it. That
1: was absolutely what my parents believed in too with my brother and I. And I can still remember my, brother's, my, my dad saying, the one thing more than anything he wanted me to learn was he wanted me to be able to sit next to the on the bar stool next to anybody, and hold a conversation,
3: yep.
1: and so he there's did a the, lot
3: to be said about that.
1: And he so he's like whether that guy is got grease on his fingers or whether he's got a white collar. I want you to be able to sit down next to him and talk to him and like like a person and like and treat them like like the individual that they are. Oh, it's
0: definitely he, the former with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: But my dad <laughs> just didn't want me at the bar. <laughs> so
0: so
1: well, what ended up happening, Andrew, is I just ended up liking guys with grease in their fingers yeah. more than a lot yeah, of guys with you know,
3: white-collar shirts. That's so. fair. Yeah, but so. again, there's there's a lot to be said for that, and it's... that's a little bit of what's this is my opinion now it's a little bit of what's wrong with the world today is is people can't have a dialogue they can't differ in opinions they can't have conversations with people that are different to them because they lack what what you said before they lack that empathy they have no way of changing their perspective because they've only ever been exposed to one perspective and I didn't want that to happen to my kids. Absolutely. So I put them in an environment that was very, very uncomfortable for them. And as I said, I didn't know how it was going to turn out. Mm-hmm. So far, the oldest is twenty-three. It's pretty so good. So far, it's
0: been pretty good. Uh, there's a lot of time yet to and, see how it
3: turns out.
1: And and with Lisa,
0: me, will you give us a thumbs up on that? Yeah. And yeah, okay. and with
1: right, you know Liam and Kyle are fathers as well. Um, yeah. They have very young ones, but mine is seventeen now, and so I'm. At the same stage where you are where you never know if these what you're gonna do is going to take hold with what they're doing because it's really a crap shoot right for
5: sure
1: but like to a degree i remember when sophie was sophie's my daughter she was probably i don't know five you know seven or eight at this point we were getting ice cream here in town and somebody had ordered the same thing she had ordered and she was upset because they had gotten more than her and so I remember at that moment, I said to her, I'm like, I don't want you to ever be this person. I'm like, I don't want you to ever look at somebody and look at what they have and think and worry about what they have and you don't. The only time I want you to look at what other people have is to make sure that they have enough. And I didn't know where that was going, right? So now the fact that she's 17 and like she's leading some kind of food drive for her high school and like, you know, and like doing this kind of stuff, that's the kind of stuff where I'm like,
5: Holy shit! It fucking worked.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm but like, she, but I'm she like, I'm of like, you know, and it's like, and she's so proud when she texts me this stuff. Now, I mean, and it's like, I know where it's coming from, and it's coming from that base of years ago where you make where you set these stems And I think that that's that. We gotta, that, we gotta get her on here. We do. Her she's way. so she's so cool. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that that goes full circle into what we're talking about with this club, where, where we're you're establishing like what we stand for. Correct. And then like and like with and with and with this this coaching staff, this is now becoming something where it's like, this is what who we are. This is what we stand for. And Connor and Vern and everyone else has given you the grace to do this and the time to do this because we had been going through this cycle yeah. where we had been changing people out, changing people in, and so now the fact that we have a system where it's like we're able to do this, it is a beautiful thing. I think. Yep. yep.
0: All right just because we've got a limited amount of time left and this is already exceeding what we normally do for an episode this is going to be around 2 plus hours oh, okay i was like I'm, is it though have we yeah, been talking yeah. that long which, yeah we got yeah, yeah, we got like <laughs> which i'm totally cool with. I told you I'm like John, it goes John, I'm, quick i'm totally cool with this and maybe we can split it into two episodes like that's fine but like what kind of stuff are you into outside of soccer <laughs> 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 i,
3: I to be fair, I spend most of my time outside the game with my family. Yeah. There's not Your a family, lo- that's what you're into. That's what I'm into. I'm yeah. into my family, and it really has more to do with what they want to do than what I want to do. I, I've been so lucky, and I'm a selfish son of a bitch. Like I, I spend a lot of time in and around the game, even when I'm home. You're a keeper. So, and my wife will tell you. There's a lot of video that you watch. There's a lot of phone calls that you're on. There's a lot that goes you're on. You're always
1: on. It's not like you're ever off, it, right?
3: You're, you're never off. And sometimes, yeah. It, yeah. And that phone has gotten me in more trouble than I'd, I'd like to talk about. <laughs> but I spend almost all of my waking hours outside the game with my family. And so if that means going for a hike at what was it called? Devil's Lake or whatever. Beautiful like, place. So, beautiful place. To like, the doorway?
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So
3: that little, yes, correct. So there's all kinds of cool things like that that we've done in all these different cities. Like when we were when we were in Minnesota, we liked to go to Minnehaha Falls.
1: Absolutely. We love went there it.
3: when it was warm and beautiful out and took a walk and checked out the falls. And then we went there when it was frozen and actually climbed up the frozen falls and went in behind it. And it's not because I love nature all that much or I love cold weather. Because I can tell you, I fucking hate cold weather. It's the worst. But, but right. if my family wants to spend time tubing down these, these frozen slopes or the, these snowy mountains. Ooh, yeah. Guess what we're going to do. Guess what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. And it, it sounds nerdy and it sounds like I'm kissing ass for my family or my wife. Or That's not what it's about. They've given me the support and the freedom to do this game the way I do it. And it's almost 24-7 so that the time I don't have around the game, I spend with them.
1: And I don't think that that's nerdy or dorky at all because the rapper J. Cole who he was talking about? How when somebody was asking, like he went and did this vacation out in Hawaii with his family and everything, and how was it, everything? And he's like, you know, I don't want you to think this is nerdy and dirty. He's like, but I purposely put myself in outside my comfort zone. I did all the touristy shit. I did all the things that they wanted to do because I realized, like, we're able to do this because of my life and because of what I do, and they're able to have this experience, and we're able to create this they want to have this experience and create this and they want me there for it and he's like and he was like so even though it's not something that i would like want to do or choose to do the fact that i'm doing it with them and they're having a blast doing it he's like that's what matters to me Uh, and and that's that to me was just like that was one of those things for me when i was just like oh shit that's what it's about yeah that's what it's about that is is what
3: it's about it's uh, just just a quick story about that and and sorry to cut you off oh you're good you, you know, you talk about going outside your comfort zone and doing it for your family, and then it kind of comes full circle with Glenn Carbonara. So we're yeah. on vacation. <laughs> not, maybe not last year. It might have been the year before. And we're in, I don't know, is it Jamaica maybe? And they want to friggin' go cliff diving,
1: Oh
3: which is one of, which is one of it, the were excursions. The were you in the grill? I, I don't know. Where were we? Were, were you, were you in, the in the grill at
1: Rick's? Rex No, it was Ocho Rios. Ocho Rios, Ocho okay, because I've done the cliff diving in the grill.
3: So, I, listen, I'm a Jersey kid who grew up at the shore, but I can body surf, and that's about all I can do, which means I can float from about 50 yards out straight back to shore. Yep. Otherwise, I sink. Yeah. So I'm not great in water, and, and they wanted to go cliff diving, so the first one is like you know, you're jumping off a five foot cliff, and then you're jumping it, off. It progressively
1: cliff. goes higher. Yes. It was
3: six yeah. different jumps. I think that the last one was like 30 feet. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? on here
1: <laughs> in in the grill.
0: Kyle's the like last jump is nodding. 75 not a cliff feet, uh, which it's I
6: I literally when I did it, I heard myself going faster.
5: Nice.
6: <laughs> So, when, when you're in those situations, right, there's clearly a soundtrack going through your mind. There's, like, the flashback of everything. But as we're going to, like, quickly pivot here, it's like, as you have a soundtrack, right, this week, this month, right now, what is that track? What is that rotation that's we'll banging true?
3: So, I'll, I'll tell you what is on my... Car stereo right now. The mm-hmm. CD is actually a Springsteen CD, and Ooh. and the song that's on there is "Land of Hope and Dreams," mm. and it's interesting because my wife says I overplay it. My kids have said I overplay it as well, but there's a theme in that, mm-hmm. and, and it and it's exactly what it says. It's a land of hope and dreams. It's everyone getting on the same train, going in the same direction, mm-hmm. and it, it it's brilliant in concert. It's much better in concert than it is when he did the first track for it, um, which was on the Wrecking Wrecking Ball album, I think, or yes, something. Yes, it is on Wrecking Ball. But it's so much better live, and I'm hoping he plays it in concert when we're in there in Kansas City. But that, the theme of that song, really, um, it makes my hair stand up now when I'm talking about it because it makes me think about our locker room, it makes me think about every locker room I've been involved in, both as a player and as a coach, and the hope and the dream and the vision that you aspire to, to get everyone on that train together Mm. going towards this 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 one destination. so it's ironic that you asked the question, but that's what's on my car now. It's a heavy rotation of Springsteen. Favorite I, Springsteen there. album? Probably Born to Run. The river might be. Born to Run or the river. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the river is up there. Nebraska Nebraska's,
1: Nebraska is mine.
3: Is it really? Yeah. Is it because it's a little more acoustic and darker? And I'll tell you like, why
1: so you said you said this too (laughs) you said this too right he's pointing at Steve so I'm I'm pointing at Steve who is our uh, resident beat musician musician I think I I enjoyed Nebraska so much because there was a lot of use of the E Street in that album but also it was the the lyrical of what he was talking about and the fact that like this album came out in the 80s when like everyone was supposed to be like celebrating the 80s and everything and he's like talking about an album about like hey the '80s haven't been that great for a lot of folks, mm-hmm. and that was like an album for me as a kid. Growing up, I was just like, "Holy shit, we can talk about shit like this. This yeah. is cool." I'm yeah. like, you know, and that was like the album to me, where it's like he became like that that singer for me, where I was like, "This is a guy I'm gonna follow from like." for yeah. And so, I just like these guys know. I just picked up his first album on vinyl. I found it like an amazing copy for like nine dollars.
3: So you're talking about Greetings from Asbury Park? Yes. Wow.
1: Yes, with including like the fold over where it opens up with like the the postcard and everything, still in there. you Have that original. Still in there, the original print, and I'm just like, I got it for nine dollars, and it's like, and I was just like,
3: it's an amazing album. It's It's amazing amazing. when people see the progression of where he's come from from there to. But but the thing that has stayed or he has stayed true to is the fact that he is an amazing storyteller.
1: Absolutely, and that's that's why why I like Nebraska so much. Yeah, as I I I felt like that was where he really got into like telling the stories of what he was all about so
0: So. what liam didn't get into is that and john i'm i'm glad that we got that bit of you from the the spring seat side of things um the 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 question here is actually and we'll do round robin for the rest of the folks that are here and then we'll call it a we'll we'll call it on tonight's episode what's currently on your heavy rotation musically What are you binging series-wise, TV-wise, or what's your favorite film? Uh, I'll go next. (laughs) Episode 3 of The Last of Us. Yes. On HBO with uh, Bill and Fred was one of the best hours of TV I think I've seen in a long time. Um, Nick Offerman playing a a survivalist. um, Sounds great. It's not the direction that you think it will take. Uh, It's one of the best hours of TV I think I've probably seen in the last five to ten years.
4: They've done so well with having it both be true to the game, but also having some creative flexibility, at least. So I've really enjoyed The Last of Us. Uh, If anyone hasn't seen it on HBO Max, 100% would recommend. Even if you never played the game. I would highly recommend
0: watching it. Episode three is like a self-contained episode, and it's about a lot less about the the game and about the the series and yeah. about the subject matter in general. is a lot more about humanity and about connections. It's so good. It's so good. Watch episode three, the first season of The Last of Us, if you get a chance. Well worth it. Uh, Mitch, what you got, Mitch?
2: So, uh, something that I found recently, and I knew about this artist before, because I am into Corey Wong, a uh, an artist that he worked with, Cody Fry. And Cody Fry, you mentioned the storytelling of Springsteen. I think Cody Fry is an extremely underrated storyteller in terms of his songwriting. Um, I've been listening to, I think it was his uh, symphony... Uh, let me see if I can find what the, the name of this album is. But it's uh, Symphony Sessions. Um, so and this it's is a guy who
0: was a American Idol contestant.
2: Was he? I had yeah. no idea. That makes sense with how popular he is He's on, a national <laughs> you know, singer-songwriter
0: guy. He signed to DECA. Oh, yeah. yeah. Signed to DECA Records? Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
2: I didn't know any of that. I thought it was indie. <laughs> uh, no, he's... Absolutely fantastic, fantastic songwriting stuff. Uh, um, his songs, Underground, uh, Underground is a fantastic song. Um, uh, I Hear a Symphony was a song, it was actually my top song of last year on Spotify. Yeah. Um, he's got a great cover of Eleanor Rigby. Um, just fantastic songwriter, and like, I mean, a- anyone who can, anyone who can write, a song and like he if you go on if you go on youtube and you check out like if you check out some of his stuff he does all this stuff for like full symphonies like he's he writes out all the music for full symphonies he's got you know strings and horns it's fantastic stuff cody fry that's what i have uh and then tv show wise i've been watching a show on hulu called food wars it is an anime i'm not proud of how much I have been watching it the past two days. <laughs> There's no shame. <laughs> There's no shame. <laughs> yeah, I. Because you're not an anime guy, I thought. I'm. I'm not really. Uh, my friends are definitely much more into anime, but um, I, I was with when, when we were driving down to the Everglades. My uh, my friend I was staying with is very much into anime, and he was. Playing a, a podcast and they did a uh, they did a background of Food Wars, which I had a little bit of knowledge about from a convention I went to last year, a very limited amount. But I was like, eh, I'll I'll go for it. I I legit probably watched like fifteen episodes yesterday. There you go. Like, it's yeah. yeah. good work,
1: Mitch.
0: I'll go next. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll let Steve in after you. Got, you want? Steve can go. Steve's been quiet. I'll go quick. Um, I've been reading Punk Paradox, uh, which is uh, by Greg Graffin of the legendary band uh, uh, Bad Religion. It's kind of his memoirs. But just to hear. You were talking about this on Sunday. Just to hear a guy that's kind of uh, started when he was 15 in the 70s in the punk scene in LA and is currently still in a punk band that's playing today. Uh, is just listening to his stories through the years is pretty fascinating and just like going from being in the 90s with the same management as Nirvana and then still playing today Mm -hmm. just small clubs Mm -hmm. to big festivals it's pretty pretty fascinating so there
5: you go
1: Uh, okay so what I got is last week I had one of my uh, um, one of my special education assistants came up to me and he's like a younger guy. named name's Demetrius. Very cool guy. We've... I think we went to a concert of his at one point at uh, really? Evrovignia. Okay. Evro yeah, yeah. Yeah. At Defunc and the Grease Monkeys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, he's Defunk. Okay. So he came up to me, he's like, have you ever heard the song, Been So Long by Anita Baker? And I started laughing and I'm just like, have I ever heard the song, Been So Long by <laughs> Anita Baker? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, and so... What I've been listening to this week is I've been listening to the Rapture album. Oh, yeah. By Anita Baker, which has um, her probably her biggest hit, Sweet Love, um, on it, which was, uh, you know, you're already shaking your head. Uh, you know this song. Um, the great MF Doom sampled this song for his song, Ho Cakes. And, uh, yeah, so Anita Baker, Rapture, old R&B. My mama would be proud of Mm-hmm. So my mama was a big fan of uh, Anita Baker so so yeah so Anita Baker Rapture that's my choice for this week. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with Anita Baker's voice.
0: Yeah, I mean it's stuff like is like Michael Powell produced that record. I know he did. It's just like anyway, and, this and he, and he did
1: her he did the record after that yeah. as well which this she is, won a Grammy for as well. This
0: is this so. is a whole rabbit Rattlet we know go go
1: go go need, need a bigger yeah. rabbit hole if you want. Let's so.
0: let's let's check it with Liam over here and what he's what he's binging lately, what he's into.
6: God, so much porn hub.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> 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 I've right. heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> so,
6: um, whether I, I genuinely like to admit this, but I've actually been reading a bit more and I hate the fact that I have to grow as a person for my new job. But anyway, it, it's a byproduct. <laughs> Uh, pat the least resistance Pat the right. fucking nonconformity Irish person speaking a fucking language Foreign to my body, blah 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 All that bullshit um, <laughs> Are you talking about English? No, I'm talking about an oppression But go on anyway <laughs> 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 Um Beautiful book, short stories from people that are like l- industry leaders uh, from the local level, mun- municipal levels. Um, it's actually by a couple of local Madison authors and contributors. Short stories called uh, Bending Granite. It's it's pretty fucking cool. Short stories, you're looking at like maybe six pages per story of how diversity hit certain departments of um, infrastructure that they needed to be vibrant, they needed to be actually self-sustainable and engaged and how they they met they met every chaos with opportunity so i like that about it and i'm digging into that so that's a pretty cool thing and um, when it comes to like movies i actually got back into like my star wars geeky stuff like that and Andor, i like episode James 11 and Andor 12 is so good. I, i'm sorry i'm gonna binge that this week i okay. i cried it's so good openly and loudly I'm I'm okay with that, and I'll I'd like because I had nothing got to I had nothing got to do with the the Skywalker saga. I had everything got to do again with like individuals finding their humanity and their, their functionality, pe- their their their, the their, peep- place, yeah. their their place, their their place, and and it was really weird because I didn't go into it after coming off Kenobi after coming off all yeah. the other fun stuff. to have like not such a not such a strong. Representation of humanity and how diverse it is, and it's it Star Wars is a beautiful, beautiful job of masking actually real world complex issues in fantasy. But anyway,
0: stories do that, right?
6: And then what I'm banging right now again is uh, I I this is a heavy rotation for me constantly. Like every maybe every four months, I go back into this like album. It's called like even better than the real thing. Mm it's a compilation of well-known artists like glenn henson like mundy like some really cool kind of like irish artists international artists where they'll do a cover in the studio of a record station um and they'll just like drop like you know i trust shakira wherever whenever but they'll drop like an, an acoustic version of it and it's it's just some solid stuff so yeah that's where that's where i'm at audibly and visually this week back to you at the station <laughs> <laughs> Always my favorite Alright, I <laughs> guess that's away. up to me It's so, up to you, boss
4: Yeah, PopCon, um, dance hall artist from Jamaica oh, He has man. a new PopCon, album out It's so oh, good
5: Jesus Christ! He it's has so a new good.
4: album out, Great as He So it's very highly good. recommend The only gripe I have with it is I was listening to it in Wisconsin It needs to be at least 50 degrees warmer To yes. fully enjoy it But even with Drake's fake Patois accent
0: Kyle, and- can you just transport us I'll try my best. All right, cool. But that song
4: with Drake is good. It is. That's the thing that pisses me off is I hate his fake Jamaican accent, but it's so good. And Drake is
1: really good on that song too. Yeah, the
0: song with Burna Boy is better. Mm -hmm. Is better. I'd say, I'd say it's equal
4: I'd say okay. it's equal I would agree with Kyle I'm Again just... If Jake, if Drake didn't do his nonsense Jamaican accent I would say That song is 100% better It's a great album though Start to finish Like I said I just need it to be 50 degrees warmer To yeah, fully enjoy it fair. Um, TV wise I got through as many episodes Of Abbott Elementary Season 2 That's out there I'm going to start binging Always Andor, hilarious. uh mm-hmm. Starting tomorrow and because of God of War, I feel like God of War has its own story, so that counts.
0: Kyle, can yeah. I ask you a question? Do you feel like Drake's fake Jamaican accent gives you permission to fake an accent from the Caribbean?
4: The thing with Drake's <laughs> accent is it's clear that he is it. trying See, is way no. too hard. Exactly. Yeah. the answer is no. No. Like, it's clear that you're just being an absolute poser about it. It'd be like me walking into the UK and doing either a Scottish or Irish or English accent. Exactly. Yeah, he's
5: from Canada.
4: It's like, we've seen different stages
6: of Drake. So there's this funny thing about, like, um, Cork accents in Ireland and Jamaican accents sounding very similar. They do. That makes sense.
4: Col- colonialism Cork, and all. <laughs> like Cork
6: in Ireland and Jamaican. There's a lot of role now, by. <laughs> no. This
0: why, thanks is to this colonialism.
6: Why it's like, yes. yep.
0: Is this is why mutual friends of ours who are Arsenal fans, every time they send me uh, St. Patrick's Day voice messages, they sound like they're doing a red stripe Premier
6: League. <laughs> 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 <for my spot. laughs> and I'm also so glad, that's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that our mutual friends send them to you to not me because then they would be ex-mutual friends. <laughs> <laughs>
4: like I said, I hate Drake's Patois nonsense. It's just like, I know you're being a poser. It's pissing me off.
1: But you're good at it.
4: Yeah. It's, it's, he's not even that good at it. It's just, you know exactly how Him deciding to sing made it work. Uh We've seen Dominican Drake, and that failed miserably.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. That was bad.
4: Jamaican Drake is... Was was that when he had the hair? Yeah, he still got it.
1: Yeah.
0: So, John, because we're here with you tonight, we've heard your, your music pick. Do you watch series, TV series? Do you watch movies? Have you seen anything lately you've been, like, way, way into?
3: Uh, yeah, actually. um, I enjoy watching TV with my wife. Cause, yeah. Uh, it's the only time I'm quiet, she says. <laughs> um, and I like to talk through half the movies, too, so... She Are you one of those that, like, figures mouthed, out, like, what's going to happen? Like,
1: mouthed, say that, hey, this guy's going to be the murderer. I,
0: I try to. I'm always wrong. She's generally right. <laughs> she just mouthed he's still not that quiet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um... Yes, we like shows. There's a couple. We just finished Wednesday. Which oh we, yeah, very good. Which I thought was really cool. And I thought it was great too. It, it's interesting because it, it it relates back to some of the the shows we saw when we were kids with you're the growing Adam's up.
1: Yeah, you were watching the Adam's family. But up. it's
3: also, it, I like the character development in it. And mm-hmm. it sounds a little geeky, but like it gives you an idea of her growth. And oh, then yeah. her roommate's growth, and it's it's kind of cool to watch. Spoken him like, spoken like a coach. <laughs> <laughs>
6: he's like, I'm so going to use that with this player.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that was cool to see. Um, and we just finished that literally the other night. Last night we watched a movie with Jonah Hill, and I think it's called
1: You, you, people. you people. It's hilarious.
3: It it is hilarious.
1: Eddie Murphy's in it. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. he is
3: in it. Yes, and he's the father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so hilarious. It's, so it's it's Jonah Hill getting married to a, a black woman. And it's all about, it's not all about interracial couples, but it's about how difficult it is to exist as an interracial couple. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a very... he's Jewish, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, Jewish. Right. And it's its an interesting perspective on it. And it gave me some, some like a couple moments of pause <laughs> just to kind of think like... Because you just kind of cruise through life every day, right? And it's... it's it's interesting to watch that so it, it gave me some things to, to really think about especially in, in, in our time right now and where we are in the world today mm-hmm. um and then one of my guilty pleasures and i don't get as much time to do it as i'd like but i love reading i read a lot on flights i read a lot in hotels not a guilty pleasure i try well it, it, it is because when i'm when i'm not coaching when i'm not involved with the game and I'm home around my family, sometimes I like to steal a half hour and do that, but it's also a pretty fucking selfish thing to do because I don't get a lot of time around my family. That's true. So there's there's times when I literally will like escape into the bathroom and go go sit on the hopper for 30 (laughs) minutes Got nothing to do with the hopper, but I'm just reading the friggin' book. You just, just, re- just re- want to get a chapter in I just, I just got another <laughs> he, chapter, just get so. chapter
6: just, in just a chapter Just run in, like, you know, the consistency, courtesy, flush. <laughs> <laughs> so I,
3: I just finished Ego is the Enemy uh, by Ryan Holiday. That's a good book. Um, interesting about this author because I've read a few of his things, and, and I get, like, some emails from him about, like, his newsletters or whatever. Sure. And one day I didn't agree with something he had written, and so I wrote back to him, just writing back to him thinking it's, you know, it's uh, he's not going to respond or whatever. You you responded responded he responded within a day. Yeah. Responded within a day. And since then we've had a relation, not a relationship, but correspondence back and forth to the point where we tried to get together the last time I was in Austin visiting Austin FC. And the timing didn't work because he was out doing a promotional tour for his book. But Ego is the Enemy. I don't think it's his most recent book. I think Courage is Calling was his mm-hmm. most recent one. Mm-hmm. But all of those books, that series is actually very, very good. And I just finished a book on neuroscience which has more to do with my class than anything, but it's incredible the way our mind works and how feelings and emotions play such an important role and, and how that links to our consciousness, and it goes all the reason why it's called the strange order of things is because it's which came first, and it goes all the way back in terms of our evolution as species. You're
6: speaking, Liam's in my language right here, uh, yeah. dude. Like as someone who went to school for electronic engineering and now uh, went and got an occupational therapy degree, like that human engineering component of like yeah. that pathways, that symmetry, that frontal lobe existence yes. of how like we. How, how you neurologically can suffer something like a stroke that can mm-hmm. physically fuck you up yeah but mentally you're you're already remapping yeah, pathways Correct. of recovery your body is already like parasymp- para, parasympathy Parasympathetic, in, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it's already on top of your shit like it's autopilot it's like hang on we'll, you'll catch up with where we are
3: yes and and what's what's so interesting in the application to coaching and how you can rewire people's brains who are used Absolutely. to playing in a certain way, yet you can create new pathways and mm-hmm. how to create those habits and why and, and how emotion is tied to that. The
1: motivator. It's it's and f- that's it's and that's where I come in because that's where like I, I have a I have a master's in emotional and behavioral disorders. Do you really? Yeah. He's a master's, got, I've I've a master's in it. He's not a master at it. Yeah. He's a master's in it. and so for me, like studying like the emotional side of how like that that is the connective piece with whether it's kids, adults, whatever, and how you can literally figure out the pathway through behavior and through emotion to find the way out and how you can, like, set up the plan and how you can, like, do this and how if you go through the steps and everything like that, that it will you'll literally see change overnight. Yes. I mean, and, it, and it's one of those things, like, for me, where it just it shows me with the human brain, where I'm like you, where it's like the human brain has always just fascinated me since I was a kid. And so, like how we use this, and how we can use it, you know. And so, that part with coaching and with teaching and with everything, like how you can use emotion to 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 change everything, like we said, overnight.
3: Yeah, and you're going to change no matter what. Whether you you want to
0: or not. Whether you want to or not, the key is to to be intentional about it. Yeah. How you want to change. Exactly. So officially, officially, this is our first two-part episode
1: yeah because we have two parts now
0: we are well over two hours so we're gonna point. have
1: an hour each episode
0: but i love i love this that we've pulled jp and Lisa. evan said and, this would happen by the way and and they and, and both yeah. jp and lisa like are are both like yeah, this makes sense actually this makes sense yeah uh,
4: best jp ford madison's ever had
0: yeah hundred percent, hundred ten The bar was low. <laughs>
1: the like, bar my, <laughs> was low. I mean, mind you, mind you, and prior, not only did he ex- did he did he exceed that bar, he's prior, he set the new bar. Prior yeah. to
0: John Pascarella, the the previous JP's uh, claim to fame was asking,
1: "Where's my cheese pen?"
0: Yeah, no, no. was asking me and and Grant. Well actually it was not you weren't even on that show No, it was Uh -uh. Chris. I was asking you and me, Kyle and Chris and April, does did Connor Kaloya know that I was stoned during this meet during this dinner tonight? And Dan Dan Fallon looking at him and said everyone knew.
5: <laughs>
6: <laughs> like, you, you all gathered for a dinner after the road trip where you drove separately in a convoy. You get to the... And I I, I was not proud of this, but, you know, the folklore goes. John Paul. Jean Paul. The master this ticket the salesman same, front office same, crew.
0: This is the same guy that showed up for a meeting with Liam and I who said... Excuse
6: me, I'm hungover. I won't be taking notes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Wow.
6: Real class (laughs) act.
0: Wow. We've come a long way in a few years. Yes. Let's put it that way.
6: I was physically cross. (laughs)
5: Yeah. <laughs> it's were. interesting
3: because they've never brought his name up in the office before, and you would think because everybody in the office calls me JP that they would have at least said there mm-hmm. was. Another I don't think anybody JP. in that
1: office knows of him. He, yeah, the J- Jovan. Jovan would be the o- Jovan. say there's only a few that Jovan would have one. a. Jovan. Yeah, Jovan.
0: John. Jovan. As far as we're concerned, you're the only. JP you're the only one. In yes. You're really, the only that's one. That's really cool, Nice, oh Thank yeah. you. I yeah. feel yeah. really good about this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel good. Feel I will say. I will say this uh John, thank you so much for coming and joining us tonight. We could uh, delve deeper into your coaching your playing careers at, uh, at any point. I hope you're here for a very very long time. If you're not that's okay. I'm glad that you've you're you've here for as long, graced, as long as you were. You've graced our our, our threshold we have as to remember were. to get a picture. Yes, we do. Okay. I'll, I'll let you take take care of that grant <laughs> uh, but you know for for tonight, We're going to split it into two episodes. Uh, This is only going to be on the second one. Uh, As Grant always says,
1: Be easy.
0: And JP, thank you again for joining us. Put them up, boys. We do a cheers at the end of every episode. We love you all. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really
3: appreciate it. It's been fantastic. Will you come back? Of course I will. This was a blast. I enjoyed it. I think
0: you know what, could. Grant.
1: I think we should have him back. Yeah.
0: Maybe. Maybe that's. Maybe that's. Maybe that's a move. <laughs>
1: I think that's a move. <laughs> All yes. right. Lisa, what? will you come back too? Yeah. Yes.
0: We'll get Lisa on the mic next time. Maybe yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have it. a
1: microphone for you.
0: Hey, <laughs> hey, Grant. Maybe next time we'll have my Lisa on a microphone as Lisa, well.
1: Lisa, Lisa, in the Cult Jam episode.
3: Yeah. Oh. Yes. Oh.
0: yes. Oh. yes.
3: My Lisa may actually have a story about that at some point when she's on the show next. I fucking hope so.
6: I love love this. I love where this is Uh, going.
0: We'll see you all next time.
3: All right. Love you guys. See you guys. Thank
6: you. awesome. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers. Fucking around fluid around that shit. You don't have that much of a budget.